I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 19. Thank you for joining us for another episode of A Gay and His NB. And this is the episode where we are talking all things Bravo. And we are so excited uh, that you're joining us wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Tell your friends, let them know to check out A Gay and His NB. Uh, and subscribe to us on all social medias, leave a rating and review, do all the things uh, to help us get in as many ears as possible. We're really excited to be bringing you these episodes and we want um, your feedback and everything that you have to say. Um, But we're going to get into everything. Bravo. What do we have on tap, babe? So, um, you know, we've got uh, more more drama happening over in uh, West Hollywood. We'll actually know in uh, uh, Mexico right now with Vanderpump Rules. We're going to be, I'll say this on the forefront, we're going to be very opinionated this episode on Vanderpump Rules. It, uh, yeah, we had very a, much so. We had a mini podcast uh, at home <laughs> after uh, the but episode. Un- unfortunately, you all missed out on because we did not record it. But uh, yeah. We'll try to recreate it. Um and then also, uh, not, not to forget, Ultimate Girls Trip. Ultimate Girls Trip uh, out there in Thailand with our lovely, lovely Pepsi hosting it all. Um, but first, before we get into anything else, we're going to be heading uh, to New Jersey. Real Housewives in New Jersey. This was a little bit of a calmer episode, definitely than last week. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so we'll go straight into it. So we start kind of at... Uh, uh, Paul and Dolores's uh, place, and and Paul is recovering still from his heart surgery. Um, but the, stunning place, and apparently he lives in New York. I'm assuming he lives right on like the like the well the research that I did because if you, <laughs> so I was sleuthing on this because you can literally see the Brooklyn Bridge out off of his um, there's balcony. A, there's a part later in the episode where I was just like, God damn, that's a gorgeous view. Yeah, it's stunning but from all the reports that i've seen he actually lives in new york proper so like he he's not in new jersey he's in new york um so if dolores is moving in with him why is she still on this show i don't know but mm. anyway yeah i at the end i mean the commute we've seen with like potomac even in the case of like potomac is like a loose like, oh yeah you know some of these girls are making two-hour commutes to get to events. Well, I mean, I feel like that's the same with pretty much any of these shows, right? Like Dallas, some of these girls were not in Dallas City Limits. Some of them were in Colleyville. Some of them were in Plano. Yeah. You know, like they were all over the place in Dallas. So I, I imagine that's the same um, for any of these, you know. I mean, Jersey's a big... It's, it's, it's an entire state. There you go. Like... Uh, like it's the only um it's the only one of these shows that is dedicated to an entire state like new york was always new york city right like it wasn't like new york all of new york um but so they're talking about the sort of what happened at the party in terms of like frank the frank stuff and you know sort of the discussion about it and paul brings up that apparently he has a really good relationship with his ex and his ex-wife and their two kids that they have together so that he kind of also is having dealing with sort of similar things in that regard of like they have the, at the very least have a friendship it seems but um, that feels weird to me as to why he wouldn't understand why frank would still want to have a good relationship with dolores i think it also depends again we've if we've like, rehashed this a million yes. times but like like i think there's a difference between a relationship and like f- being viewed as a unit 
You know what I mean? And like, I think, and Paul kind of brings up this thing of like, you know, I think Frank is kind of maybe feels like he made a mistake by like not fighting harder to keep Dolores. And, you know, Dolores is like, well, yeah, he knew that before, before we got divorced. He knew he fucked up. Yeah. Well, I I think knowing you fucked up and also like, like fighting for it more. And I, I, I've said it before. I, I think a lot of the girls on the show and like, even some elements of the fan base have like put the narrative out there of like Dolores and Frank need to get back together. And like, and I mean, I was, I was on that bandwagon at first, but the longer I watched them, the more I realized that they work better as friends. They don't really work as a couple. Right. But again, I just, I don't think that it's fair for anyone to say, you're not allowed to be friends with that person. Sure. So I, 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 Again, that has not been explicitly said on the show, but to me, the only reason that the Dolores and Frank um, relationship is changing has been the addition of Polly, which, again, to me, makes it seem like he is the person driving that. And that could be me misreading the situation. I'm not there. I'm not in the middle of that, right? Yeah. But that's what I'm seeing from the outside. And I hope that's not true because I don't think that Dolores deserves someone telling her who she can and can't have a relationship with. If she is making this change for him, but it's her decision to make it and he's not pushing it, fine. She gets to do that. Yeah, I, and I understand that. I think so. And also, Dolores is also talking about why um, that she's going to get together with Jennifer for lunch to sort of discuss like their friendship and like where possibly trying to you know get this back sort of in a better place and where they were. Which I I'm, we talked last episode. I'm I'm hopeful for. Um, we go over to Rachel's house um, and they're sort of just doing stuff around the house as a family. She. Uh, they got a backpack for her like two year old daughter. What is this with the newbie girl? Like, and how quick their daughters are like, like I, I don't have children. We, we don't have children. Like I, I feel like two years old is way too young for like school. I get like preschool, but like preschool isn't like, I didn't even have preschool. And like, I went to kindergarten yeah, same. At, at four years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, four years old. I went I like, well, we had K four and K five, and then first grade was six. For me, I had like church preschool, which was like. Well, I mean, I went to school at my church for the first until fifth grade, right. and that's what I transferred to to public school. But like our church, you know, had a, a school, and they had uh, K four uh, through twelve at the time, right. And, like, it's literally, like, the backpack uh, she gives her, like, literally dwarfs her whole body to where I'm, like, if, like, it's just something about that plus Danielle's daughter, like, learning about, like, you know, pointillism and, like, all these, like, oh, it's, like, what is happening in Jersey to where, like, what are the programs that these kids are in? Um, But they're talking, um, and and, um, they're talking about Jaden, who is uh, Rachel's um, stepson. And, um, sort of that he's leaving for college and like, um, and you know, Rachel kind of feeling a little bit sort of upset about that in terms of obviously the sort of detachment of that. Um, but then Jaden also talks about like, apparently he doesn't want them to have another kid right now. Like, which, yeah, you know, and Rachel had talked about in the past, like wanting to go quickly into another one. 
Um, and then, but Rachel also talks about wanting to adopt Jaden and they talk about sort of the process and like John is a little worried that like, if this happens, the mother can, you know, I think like either reach out or petition against it or and there, there's a whole issue. And I know that they're going to get into it later on in the season, but um, yeah, there, there's a whole thing where if they challenge it, because in order for her in order for Rachel to adopt him, um, the mother has to give up all parental rights. Right. But they also, so they talk very vaguely about the mother and why the mother isn't involved in Jaden's life, essentially. And that Rachel basically, Rachel talks about basically having to be the like middle ground between Jaden and her to like give updates on like how he's doing, et cetera. And it's like, yeah, but it's a it's another some... step and another like there's a finality to giving up parental rights because there's no going back from that, yeah. you know. I had heard but they don't like I said they don't really say specifically what it is that's like no. her issue. I had heard some stuff that like she was in like a halfway house or something. Like I but like that I don't know if I've seen that just in like news stories and stuff like that, but I mm-hmm. haven't seen like full reports. Um I assume that it'll get talked about on the show because I, I mean, think if it becomes I have a feeling, an issue, I have a feeling that because they're being vague about it, it's a pretty sensitive thing to where like, probably, it's, you know, you know, can be an issue. to bring Suffice up. it to say, it's a situation where uh, I think they were hinting towards that. That was probably the crux of why she's no longer with yeah, um, John. Him, John and, you know, why she's not involved in Jaden's life. So, I mean, it's big enough that it caused all of that. So I don't know. I just, I understand why she would want to not give up parental rights, especially as a mother. It's different when you're like, it shouldn't be different when you're a father, but like the way that society has things set up now, it's different as a mom. Yeah. Like, carried that child that child was in your body so i mean i i i get why you would want to hold on to that as long as possible oh, oh yeah of course um we go to the lunch that jennifer and dolores are having to sort of like discuss their issues um and uh they they kind of get into it like jennifer like talks about that like basically feeling like she didn't stick up for her in front of margaret enough which i do think dolores did a lot in terms of like, like there are clips that you see from last season of her, like, like telling the group essentially about, but like she does, I can see Jennifer's point of her sort of playing middle ground with her and Margaret necessarily. And when it is Margaret specifically bringing out that, the, the affair stuff, I can understand how you probably need to go a little harder on that person when you're that person's friend. Yeah. Like. And she talks about, like, you know, I know your past issues with Frank, obviously, you know, and all the stuff you went through with him about, like, so for that reason, it kind of hurt a little bit more. Um, and I get that. And, you know, Dolores also thinks that Jennifer, but I agree with Dolores of, like, if, like, if you're feeling this way, you should have brought that to me directly because the first I was hearing about that was at the reunion. Right. And, like, it was, like, it did feel kind of like, what the fuck? Like, you know. Yeah, it was a blindside. Yeah, and so that, and, and when Dolores is blindsided like that, she goes scorched earth. Like, yeah, like, like Dolores has a very short fuse in that D- regard. Dolores is either your best friend or your in, 
like the enemy to you and everyone you've ever come in contact with. Yeah. Like it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, but they eventually make a choice. They're like, we're, you know, I, I care about you enough to where we can put this past us. Um, and they sort of start talking a little bit more about other stuff. And Dolores brings up what Jackie had told her about what Jennifer was saying about bill and sort of their Mm -hmm. issues. Um, and Dolores says that really resonates with her because like she remembers hitting a breaking point of being sick of catering to Frank um, when he, you know, and, and she's talked about this in the last couple episodes of just like there come, I think, and we talked about like, I feel like both of them are also in this sort of like new age of discovering themselves as women. And we're both in sort of more traditional relationships in terms of culture to where they weren't, they, they had to take it Mm -hmm. in many regards and they're learning how to speak up more and they're learning how to like, be more opinionated and be more independent. And I think that's what kind of bonds them in certain ways in terms of that struggle. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Dolores says, um, I've also like Dolores is like, you know, this is something that you guys can fight for because she feels like there's a lot more love in Jen and Bill's house than was with her and Frank. Like, yeah, that, that there's something to salvage essentially. Um, and so Jennifer also, (laughs) We'll get to it later. But Jennifer then brings up, so I thought it would be a good idea to like, you know, Teresa introduced me to this woman who does these Turkish coffee readings. For oh, those, Lord. For those that have seen like in the past, it's like a sort of a, I guess a psychic, I guess is the. Uh, it's similar to like a tea reading or it, it it's a form of divination. Yeah. Where they can, you basically, they can see stuff in the remnants of like your coffee cup or whatever and like get stuff from it. Um, which I actually don't, I actually, I think they did this once on Roni, I think, which I thought was really good, but like, I think like, <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, it's a lot this episode. Look, so, Bravo has a history of not getting the, mo- the, um, maybe the most reputable, um, yeah. uh, fortune tellers. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it, at, put that word on it. They either um, they either get really good ones or like it's just like you found somebody. To they like, they picked the first person on the list when somebody googled this area plus fortune teller. Yeah. Um. So we go to Melissa and Joe's new house that they're constructing, uh, and Melissa has Antonio with her to sort of check it out. Um. And she like. They're like, what she, I feel like she's like, I, she, oh, she was saying like, I'm sick of castles. Like I'm sick of that sort of vibe. I want something more modern and like, like she wants this sort of traditional housewife house. Like I've, I'm sure that this has no shade to Teresa's new house. No, not at all. Um, which all, a lot of people have been dragging her, the house now that it's finished online of like sort of stylistically, which, you know, I haven't seen it actually. I, uh, it's okay. It's it's <laughs> I it's not the best. Um but also I think like it's 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 weird seeing that shift especially when you watch early earlier seasons of Jersey because it is like the vibe of, vibes of the house are very different like from yeah. now till then. Like we talk about the sort of gaudiness of Teresa and Joe Judas's old house but like it was awful. It's for anyone who's not watched seasons where that house was a main character it was a main character. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it was a lot. Um, and Melissa talks about how they're she's doing a pop up essentially for Danielle at Envy for Danielle's clothing uh, mm-hmm. stuff that she's doing. And then we cut up in between that to Danielle at her house getting ready for like getting everything planned for it. And she FaceTimes Teresa. We find out Teresa's tested positive for COVID. Um, so she won't be at the co- coffee uh, reading event um, is, and, and is doing the full like blowing your, your nose into the like over exaggerated sickness, which she did look terrible on the FaceTime. I would just say like, yeah, but like I'm also somebody who like I get seasonal allergies to where I like if when I the two days that I get sick, I feel like I, I look like I'm dying. <laughs> so I, I, you know. Not everyone can be stunning and gorgeous. For all the women listening to this, he's a man when he's got a cold. Uh, you know what that is. I feel like I'm worse than others. I think I'm uh, d- yeah, worse. Definitely worse. Yeah. Um, so, but they're going in between Melissa and Joe talking and, and Teresa and Danielle talking. And they talk about apparently that Louie was crying at the end of the, all the breakdown at, the, at, the, at Rachel's party and the stuff like that. The longest party ever. Yeah. And he's in... <sighs> This was for like this, uh, you know, whatever, you know, Louie is. And, and, and there's obviously there was a lot of question marks put on him last episode too, that we talked about. But I also just think this like masculinity element that keeps coming up on Jersey is so frustrating. Cause it's so clear. Like, Oh really? He's crying. It's like, Jeez. like re- this, is the, this is the, this is the place we're living in. Um, uh, and then there's also there. I guess there's all these reports coming out that Louis got into a fight with Dina's husband, and because of that, Dina's not coming to the wedding and is out of the wedding party, which that has been disputed by Dina, I believe, yes. from what I've been reading, that it had nothing to do with that. Basically, going to Dina, she's not in the wedding party because she knew it was going to be filmed, right? And, and she doesn't want anything to do with being on television anymore, yeah. which I understand. It was a traumatic experience for her, so I get it. Yeah, the one time she came back, even still, she was like, "I, I, this is not for me." Like, yeah. Um, and so I, I, it doesn't seem like that really holds water in terms of this. I mean, they're seeing they're trying to basically draw a comparison to this, and well, this happened to, with Dina because they're saying alleging it's over a business thing or whatever. Mm. This happened with Dina's husband, and now it's happening with Joe Gorga, essentially. Like, or and. I don't see that. I also had a question of like, this was being reported in all the blogs that this, that this was what happened. And I was like, where would they get that from? Hmm. That that, conspiracy brain, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I wish that we didn't have so much twisting of events. And I wish that we just had everything laid out in front of us so that we could make our, astute uh, assessments of the the events but that's not what we're ever going to get so yeah and danielle talks to Teresa about how she was upset at the thing at rachel's party and stormed off and all that stuff and she talks about how it felt like you know of her time when she was in high school and she was being bullied which i also love that she was like you know (laughs) this was such a like you know, I was really bullied in high school. I was the I was the pretty cheerleader, and so everyone would like bully. And it's like, what? What? Like, I don't know about you, but in every high school I've literally ever heard of, cheerleaders run that place. Yeah, it's like so. She's like, and all the women were jealous of me and thought that I was like a slut or whatever the f- and like trying to take their men and stuff like that. I was like, 
I'm not denying that. Like that's probably that might be true, but like it just doesn't it doesn't resonate where you're just like I was bullied because I was so pretty. And like it yeah. It, huh. Uh so we go So she was the leader of the plastics, got it. Essentially. So we go over to um Dolores or well we go over to Paul's house because that's where they're hosting the coffee reading lunch, right? Uh, at Delor- I thought Dolores looked beautiful, by the way, in this, like... Absolutely. I, it, it shouldn't work, but this, like, three different colored, like, floral, like... It, it ended up working in a, in a weird way. Um, and Angie, who's the cup breeder, arrives as well, um, as everyone's starting to follow in. And everyone's admiring how great the house is, that Polly's house is. Jen, Jen Fessler says that it's somewhere in between... Basically says it's somewhere in between the Taj Mahal and Fifty Shades of Grey. Which I didn't get that. Not Taj okay. Mahal, at the least. I could see like, it, it does have like kind of a more like. I mean, it's pretty modern. It's not at all Taj Mahal like. No, but like almost like Fifty Shades of Grey maybe makes it. It does look something that would, that would be more in like New York, uptown, like, yeah. you know, sort of vibe. Um, and uh, Margaret and Jennifer are basically kind of avoiding each other in sort of the early goings of this. Like, they're like. Which I mean, it, I guess it's for the best. Like, if they're not gonna, you know, actually have a conversation and get to a better place. Um, M- Melissa talks also though about like how good Dolores has it because of like, uh, you know, Paul having Paulie's home. Frank built her a home. Um, her David built her a home. Uh-huh. Like, so like she's you know she's doing pretty well. Um. You know, they all sort of sit down outside and um, <laughs> they're like, which side? I forgot who it was. Someone comes in and is like, which side is more shady? And Jennifer goes, more shade on this side. No pun intended. <laughs> that was a fun line. Um, and Dolores and Jennifer talk about how oh, Dolores brings up that, you know, that her and Jennifer made up. And that's why this is a joint sort of party mm-hmm. uh, that we're putting together. And, and that Jennifer was basically like, I, didn't, I don't think if I did this at my house, people would come over essentially. So we're doing it at Paul's house. Yeah. And Margaret's basically like, I don't think Dolores even likes Jennifer. Like that she Dolores essentially says that Dolores just wants to like be Switzerland, essentially. I mean, that has been Dolores' MO in the past. Yeah. Um I will say, did you see the the picture of Jen that she took at this party? Um or Jennifer rather, not Jen Fessler. Uh Jennifer um took at this party um on the the balcony and everybody was like are you holding on to the side of the building like (laughs) because it's got there's like this glass railing and you can't see it behind her but she's like leaning up against what looks like the side it literally looks like she's hanging off the side (laughs) of this balcony um anyway she looks great in the picture she looked i love this um like green and white floral thing that mm. she's got going on. Very, very cute. Anyway, that picture went viral on Instagram, and I just is wanted this, to bring that bef- up. I was going to say, I, I, I mean, Jen Fessler does always look great. I was going to say, is this before or after the Ozempic? Which, no, no, no. Not Jen Fessler. Jen... Uh, oh, Jennifer Aiden. Jennifer Aiden, yeah. Oh, okay. But, well, speak and... <laughs> Speaking of, I can't, I can't believe we're talking about this. Also, Dolores on this Watch What Happens Live with this episode just being like, yeah, I'm on Ozempic. What is happening? Like, 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 it's, it is frustrating because it's really hard to support these people when they are just like, 
diabetes is a disability, guys. It's not like it's we like, should not be taking diabetic medication for weight loss. It, literally on the commercial. Literally on the screen, on the commercial, because we saw the Ozempic commercial while we were watching Housewives. But it's almost as if, like, when Jen Fessler said it and when now Dolores is saying it, it's almost like they're talking about it as if it's like, yeah, I'm just on the new trend, as if they don't know any of the controversy. Like, yeah. It's like, what is, like... But it's it's a brand name. That's why they're not saying it. Sure. It's like, you're smart women. Like, I, I don't understand this. Um... Uh, uh, so, but the topic also, I think it was Jennifer brings up the topic about like Danielle being upset at the party and like the storming off and stuff like that. And that like, and I agree with Jennifer here. Jennifer basically is like, look, my, when that, you know, when this topic sort of would come up in my direction with something new, like someone also new to the group, like my first instinct wouldn't be that you did this and you, you know, you did something that deserved that. And, and you know, I don't believe you necessarily. And Jackie's like, no one's saying we don't believe her. You are though. I don't like, what do you mean? You're saying you, what do you mean? You don't, you, you don't, you're not saying you don't believe her. I feel like that's disingenuous from Jackie, but from a lot of the women who were participating in that conversation, I don't think that that statement is wrong. I think when Jen Fessler says like, I had questions, that's yes. That's, we had we have questions. One hundred. There was literally part of the story that she told Melissa that she has not told anyone else, and like I'm sorry, it's a giant hole in the story with the neon sign pointing at it. It would be dumb of them to not question it, right? But it's all in how you handle it, and I agree with like Jennifer just being like, I don't know why everyone is jumping immediately to she's hiding something or like Jackie and Margaret at the very least yeah. are jumping to she's hiding something. Yes. I, I will say that it feels more like Margaret is still, there's something missing as opposed to she's hiding something and she's doing something wrong and it's all her fault and she's evil as opposed to that definitely feels like the vibe that we're getting from Jackie. Sure. Yeah. Well, and also I just feel like, there's a lot of talk in these episodes about Margaret being upset that someone's saying something about her when she's not there. Right. And it's like, you're, you, but you can't understand why Danielle's upset. I don't, yeah, I don't get that. Um, oh, oh, and then this moment. So they go back into the house um, and they're, they're just talking or whatever. And Dolores then has to break the news that, you know, uh, so Teresa talked to us and basically she had this meditation uh, where she had this sort of like revelation moment in her head and about us being in the wedding and, and before, and almost before she can get out, Jennifer just goes, so we're bridesmaids. Like giant so, shit eating grin on her face. It was so fucked Staring up. straight at Melissa. Now I get it in the sense that like, like here's the thing. Teresa did offer it to Melissa at the mozzarella party and Melissa yeah, did but it was it. disingenuous and you know it. You think it was disingenuous? I thought I, we, I looking look at the time I felt like it might have been genuine, but after everything we've seen, all and now putting all of this back together in the aftermath, uh-uh. Mm. No, I, I don't I don't think so. I still want to believe in that regard. I think there's I think I think everyone is having issues and, and like I I'm trying to like not have everything color like you like know. I just 
I don't think anybody is right in that conflict. I think everybody is wrong. Everybody just needs to say, hey, I fucked up and move forward. But I also don't necessarily think that any of them want to fix it at this point. Sure. I feel like all of them are stuck in their ways. They are all too interested in being right instead of fixing it. And that goes for Teresa. It goes for Louie. It goes for Melissa and Joe. All four of them. Yeah. All four of them are stuck in their version of what happened, and it doesn't fucking matter. Well, and, like, I on, on the Watch What Happens Live with Dolores, like, um, her and Andy were talking, because I guess they're filming the reunion next week. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're both in the agreement of, like, I think they're done. Like, I think it's just done. Yeah. And, like, that's... And, and I think, like, that's okay. It's done. They, yeah. They're not going to have a relationship. Like, I don't know what that means for the show, but, like... Yeah. Um, but back to this moment where Jennifer is, you know, staring in Melissa's face with a giant shit-eating grin on her face. Um, I was so frustrated with this. This should have been a pull Melissa aside and inform her beforehand. Sure. And I said this to you in the moment. I, like, to me, Dolores, I, I get why Jennifer didn't because fuck her. But Dolores should have pulled Melissa aside and said, look, I don't want you to be blindsided in front of everybody else. Right. Um, Teresa has asked Jennifer and I to be bridesmaids in the wedding, and we have both accepted. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, it, I, I don't know. I didn't know if that would upset you or not. But in case it did, I wanted you to be able to handle that privately instead of in front of the cameras and in front of all the other girls. I think you could even do it in front of cameras, but, just pull her aside. But still, yeah, it should have been a pull, pull aside moment. Yeah. It should not have been a, I'm not allowed to feel what I'm going to feel because anything is going to be construed as putting on a show for these women. Sure. And Melissa says that, you know, th- says that she thinks it's ironic because Dolores wasn't even invited to the engagement party. Um, and then Jen Fessler brings up that, well, we all know that Dina has dropped out of the wedding. So it's, this seems like the replacement essentially. And about like seemingly also part of why Dolores wasn't at the engagement party was cause Dina was there. And so the producer in Dolores's confessional brings this up. It's like, do you think that Dina being at the engagement party played a role in you not being invited to it? And Dolores just goes, I'm not talking about Dina ever. Which that, I respect her on that. I, I honestly, me, knowing knowing Dolores, I think it is very much a, she doesn't want to be on this show. She doesn't want to be in front of the cameras. Leave her out of it. And from what she was talking on Watch What Happens Live, like she's, she made the point to be like, I, I've never had like a direct confrontation with Dina. But it's based off of the fact that I'm friends with Caroline Manzo and, their, and Caroline and Dina's issues. And I... Like, it's almost in the sense of, like, Dolores is like, I respect that. That's fine. Like, and she doesn't want to be a part of this show. So I'm not going to. And I, on, I, I feel like both, for, she's saying, she's doing it both for Dina's sake and Caroline's sake. Right. But I mean, I also understand, like, the, she doesn't want to be on this show. So I'm not going to be part of constantly bringing her up. I'm also not going to talk about somebody that I don't know. Yeah. Like, they don't have a relationship. They've never had a relationship. So, like, why are we 
asking her about Dina. She doesn't know. Don't talk to me about her. Yeah. You I, know? And I think if there's such a, con- like, I don't think it's, if that was the motive of why she wasn't invited to the engagement party, one, it seemed like Dolores was fine with that. Like, it wasn't that she took, it. I mean, people can make the argument that Dolores just takes certain things from Teresa that she does. But, like, I do think Dolores, if she, I don't think Dolores would have wanted to be there if Dina's there. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, and she knows her and Dina are friends, and that's fine. Like, I, I don't well, know. Well, and the way that Dolores has talked about it, it's like, you know, we just respect that each other that talk about Teresa. Mm-hmm. It's like, we just both respect that we have friends that are not friends with each other and that's okay. And we just ignore it. Yeah. I mean like we just, Teresa and Caroline's issues are pretty evident. And like doesn't Teresa seem like- doesn't ask me about Caroline. I don't ask her about Dina and that's just it. We're done. Yeah. We don't need, it doesn't need to come up. Yeah, so um, they're all grabbing food and stuff like that. <laughs> Danielle and Margaret are uh, sitting next to each other and just awkwardly eating alone at the table at one point, and it's just like, yeah, it's 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 pretty awkward. It gave very much the um, sitting alone in the VIP. Yeah. Well, and also, but she's like, Danielle points it out, and it's like, well, this is this is kind of awkward. And Margaret goes, "Yeah, you ran away last time." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god, Margaret, really?" <laughs> Danielle doesn't take the bait. But um, so they all sit at the table and Dolores basically announces that she wants to do a girls trip slash bachelorette party for Teresa in Ireland since uh, she loved when Paul took her and, you know, the vibe of that. Um, I'm so again, we talked about I'm excited for them to do an actual girls trip out of the city or out, uh, not out of the city, out of this out of the country. Um, we hadn't gotten one of those in a while. Yeah. The closest is this trip on Vanderpump, which we will get to to Mexico. Yes. Um, but we get into the actual cup readings that Angie's doing. So uh, she goes through everyone's. Uh, for Dolores, for Dolores, she sees a ring on her finger, and like everyone's like immediately like, yeah, like finally Paulie's gonna put a ring, a ring on it. Um, you know. And then they did a flashback with her to the last time that they had a the fortune ther- teller, yeah, yeah, yeah. future seer, whatever. And talked about how she would have another love in her life. And this was before she was with Polly. You know, so, you know, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe yeah. she will end up with a ring on her finger. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and Rachel, the, in Rachel's cup, she sees the letter V and basically says that it, it signals that she'll have some form of victory mm-hmm. in either three months or three years. Um, and Rachel's hoping that it has something to do with the adoption process and, and something in regards to that. And Margaret gets to talk a little bit about sort of how she's bonded with Rachel and she commends her for having her relationship with her stepson and sees a lot of herself in her with how she raised her stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And Margaret's obviously talked about that relationship on the show a lot. Um, and uh, they cut to a photo when Margaret's talking about, and I was like, is this a photo of Margaret or is this the stepkids? Like, it was like, but it yeah, was like it was the kids, I think. Yeah, because it seemed like the photo was too like recent. recent to like be Margaret. But it was also the woman in it looked. I I don't know. It it's, it didn't look like Margaret. Well, and it seemed interesting if those are the stepkids that they showed the photo of it because it they Margaret's talked about having a strained relationship with them in recent I mean, seasons. Maybe it has so been maybe, repaired. Yeah, you know, to some degree recently. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and this is going well. And then we get to Margaret's cup. So Angie, uh, is looking in the cup and she sees, um, 
a childhood friend or someone from like their uh, her childhood, and she sees the letter L, and everyone's like, because obviously the stuff with her ex friend Laura. Uh-huh. Who has been sending stuff to Jennifer and Teresa? And at first, I was like, "Oh shit, that's really cool!" Like, oh, I can't believe she got that. And she's like, "The the um, Angie's also like, I see a knife in your back," um, which also made me like, I which gave me pause of like, okay, well, it, it maybe it is real of what is because why would spoiler alert the the topic comes up of whether Jennifer like planted this woman to like. In front of the cup, we'll get to it, but in front of the cup reader, I thought that was rude. That was a little rude. But, like, she brings up the, like, to me, like, if this was all Jennifer planting stuff, the knife in your back, like, she's saying the knife is in Margaret's back. Right. It characterizes it to where Margaret is the good guy, which doesn't seem like something that Jennifer would plant. Yeah. That, unless Jennifer's really good at, like, throwing a curveball in there. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Uh, also, like, well, and, and also as is having Jen Fessler literally chokes on her drink and it's like, like gives a full, like almost spit take. Yeah, that's great. Um, But like, I, part of me also is like, could this be, could this reasonably have been Jennifer planting this woman? Yes. Could it also have been the producers of this show being, being like, here's all the info on these women? Yes. I wouldn't put it past them. I, I'm, I'm telling you, if you want some real people who can really do this shit for real, come to Pittsburgh. We got a group of them here. Yeah. Like we've like we got a lot of witchy folk in this city. And um the at least the circle I run around with, we know our stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you want real people who can really tell the future, come talk to me. Um, and Jen and Jen Fessler and her confessional is like, I'm gullible, but I'm not that gullible. Yeah. Like in terms of this. And then Angie says that, that, but in the end of it, they rekindle their relationship. And Margaret goes, no, never. And then Jen Fessler going, that's not what the coffee cup says, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Fessler's great. I love her. So then this is what, but I was still like, oh, maybe she is seeing something. Because even like the like, oh, you get back together with her at the end. Maybe you're seeing something. Like maybe you're actually seeing something. Yeah. And then they get to Jennifer and her reading. And they talk like the talk, like her children come up. And then she says something about you have these endorsements. You and you're gonna get in the years to come more endorsements. And then Jackie and Margaret look at each other like. This is literally the fight they just had at Jen Fessler's party. And they get a flashback to Margaret saying like something. Again, I feel like they were also misusing the word endorsements. I don't know what the hell they meant no, by that. No, they, they mean that she's going to like get like. Um, you don't have a brand, support system. Like, no, they mean that she's going to get brand deals. Was that what she meant? I yes, thought she, they, I, they mean like a job. I thought she meant like you're not happy, like clearly you're not happy with Bill, et cetera, and all that stuff, and like so, like you don't have anyone supporting you. You don't have pe- you don't have endorsements in terms of people. That's what I got from it, and I feel like that's what Angie was saying to where like Margaret was like, really, and because it's like it's such a specific word. No, I feel like it's similar to like on Married to Madison with Anila have doing like the blog things and like getting brand support. <laughs> yes, that that's more how it came off to me was Jen is looking for brands to pay her to advertise like 
But she's like, her excuse is, well, I I have a young daughter and I want to like wait until she's older and more independent before I go back into doing that. And that's her excuse of why she's not getting sure what, but that's the only way the word endorsements makes sense I just to did, me. Well, my, I just didn't know how it applied to that fight that they had. But also, it, when I think back to it, that fight was really confusing on many regards. That was the fight where Jennifer was just quoting Pretty Woman at one point. So it was like, <laughs> I mean, it honestly would have made sense. Um, and I love Margaret Erica Fessler going, you know who's endorsing you? Charmin, because you have 16 bathrooms and you're full of shit. <laughs> It was great. But see, that's what I mean. Endorsements. That's an endorsement, like yeah. a brand deal. Yeah, and Jackie's just and Jackie's just like, did Jennifer tell you <laughs> like you she brings it up at the table and Jennifer's like, really? And like they're fighting, and Jackie's like, how would she pull the role forward endorsements like that? And Jennifer goes, because she read it in the fucking cup, Jackie. <laughs> like, let me see that cup, because I don't think that you could get the word endorsements. <laughs> That's a pretty long word. Those are little bitty cups. Those yeah. are like sake cups. You it, can't really Oh, uh, I almost like if Jen if Jennifer did it, I almost commend her. Because, like, at least that's fucking funny. Like, it's so fucking funny. I at least would want her to admit it in confessionals. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So then uh, they read Danielle's cup. The, and, like, the, the topic of Danielle's brother comes up uh, again in the cup. And Danielle gets real emotional about it, obviously. Um, and, like, Danielle's venting about, like, how she, fe- you know, she didn't, she feels, like, sort of attacked by these women. And, like, mm-hmm. that it's not coming from a a place of like heartfeltness and it's just like, you know, attacks. And even Melissa's like, let's leave her alone guys. Like, it's not like, yeah, you know, let, you know, she doesn't deserve to be like hounded like this. Like it's a major thing. And I think part of it, I think Melissa said it's also like her personal experience of like the Teresa stuff. And obviously it's like, well, and she's about to be experiencing somebody questioning, you know, her version of events here in the next few episodes. Yeah. So, you know, um, and then uh, Danielle and Rachel then start fighting because the topic of the what Rachel told Margaret comes up again and how she colored it. And Rachel's just like, I told her exactly what happened. It wasn't like, I'm going to be honest. I, sp- I don't try to hide shit or whatever. And literally as Danielle and Rachel are fighting, Angie just gets up and leaves. She's like, I'm done. I do feel if she is a genuine like like reader like i feel bad for her because like this show like mate like she's never gonna get hired again for anything well and that's that's why i'm just like why would you like why would you go on and take that information like if you know what you're doing and you're going on a show like this you gotta keep your reputation alive keep your reputation like call people out for shit that's like showing like I have done readings for people that I literally am meeting in a coffee shop and have read their life story and have them break down crying. Yeah. Like, so you can't tell me that this stuff isn't real. Like, but get somebody on there that knows what they're doing Mm -hmm. and get somebody on there who is actually going to be motivated by giving people the information that they need to move forward and heal in their lives. Like that is supposed to be the point. Yeah, I agree. And, and the, the, the fighting settles down at one point and Dolores is like, guys, we, this is done. Like we got to go home. I have a headache. And it just, the episode just ends with Margaret going, I can't take another second. I'm sweating for my twat. <laughs> 
It's uh, and that's how we end the episode. Just perfect way to end the episode. Um, but it was a good episode of Jersey. A little lighter, mainly because it didn't focus as much on the the main drama of the show. But like you said, we're going to Ireland, and based on the preview, it's this is where shit hits the fan. It seems. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, oh boy, we're getting into everything. Vanderpump Rules, don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And I'm the Riz. And you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry... We use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy. We are going to be headed down to Mexico to catch up with the uh, former staff of Sir uh, on Vanderpump Rules. Yes, Vanderpump Rules. We're, we're coming from the, you know, to be continued of the confrontation that ended the episode with Ariana and James at the mm-hmm. dinner table. And, and Allie storms off. Um, and Allie is, you know, James is like, Allie's not used to confrontation and... and Allie even herself says later, like, that's what she, like, she detaches herself at a certain point, and it's not, you know, something she sticks around for. And then fucking, we talked about Sandoval not saying anything. Finally, Sandoval pipes up, but he says, you know, James, sometimes real power is having the power to do something and not doing it. Well, How, How about the power to not fuck your girlfriend of nine years how about let's not fuck her best friend how about that power that yeah li- literally the fucking audacity like you're gonna lecture anyone on like on like control and like having like uh <laughs> james in his confession will be like who is the fuck, who the fuck is tom sandoval right now is he uncle ben from spider-man with great power comes great response of fuck off <laughs> I loved God James when again when James is directly pointed as crass as he is like I, I'm I'm here for it. 
Um, but we go over to uh, so we go over to as this dinner is happening, Schwartz and Katie's like celebration of the end of their relationship dinner. And Schwartz going so awkward. Schwartz going to the hostess at the thing and being like, uh, yes, uh, two for Bubba. And the woman just being like, I, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> and like, yeah, I call, I call, I call her Bubba. You know, I'm, I'm going with Bub right now because it's more platonic. We'll we'll get into like, it. The the hostess might as well have said, "You're forty fucking years <laughs> old. Use a goddamn name." No, but literally, I needed an I need a name. Like, like this isn't like. We'll we'll get into it. We have strong. Me and Merlin both have strong opinions on Schwartz. I'll I'll just say that. Um, so they get to the ta- also they get to the table and they're like yeah let's get a you know uh, some cocktails and a and a bottle of wine and the waiter goes so why are you guys so uh, you guys are celebrating something big and they're just like um he's yeah. like he's like anniversary marriage or <laughs> kind of the opposite actually yeah literally we're getting divorced and he's like oh great <laughs> <laughs> well I'm gonna leave you to. <laughs> Oh, it was so good. Also, he as we're talk, we're gonna talk about the whole thing. But literally, there were like three or four times as this dinner is happening where he just interrupts conversations mid things and just like put down their food, and it's the funniest shit ever. Like he, this waiter is just like it's it's his worst shift ever. I gotta imagine. Oh yeah. Um. So and Schwartz is like, oh, this is really romantic, you know, and and starts speaking French even though they're in Mexico. I like. I mean, speaking French because it's a French restaurant. Well, also, I say speaking French. He's literally just singing Alouette. Yeah. Um, and and Katie, Katie's like, did you make that up? <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> Have you never heard Alouette? What? Yeah. Uh, and Katie's like, Schwartz is never really good at being romantic. And we see, like, flashbacks of, like, the ring on the string and, like, all that. It's, yeah. And then this fucking toast that he does. Like, they're like, so let's toast. And he's like, to getting back on the heat. What did he say? Uh, the, hedonic treadmill. The hedonic treadmill. And Kate's like, what? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? And I didn't even understand it, but you had to explain it to me what it, he's saying. It's like, basically, we're both single. Let's go fuck around. Uh, like, like hedonism is getting drunk, partying, and fucking everything inside. And this is where Schwartz just, like, Schwartz just annoys me. Where, like, Katie is then, like, actually trying to, like, give a proper, like, sort of, like, you know, let's toast to selling our house, even though this is a really, you know, might be a sad chapter. It's also something of prog. Oh, sorry. There's a, my, my phone is, like, really tight in my pocket. You know, oh, the suit is killing. Like, he can't focus for two fucking seconds to have a genuine moment with this person. It's the most frustrating bullshit. I'm like, uh, and then he literally, uh, like, they finally, like, sort of start eating and goes, you know, I don't want to ruin the moment, but I felt kind of guilty telling Brock and Sheena I wasn't coming to the dinner. If you don't want to, here's a suggestion, Schwartz, um, and, and I know, I'm sure nobody has brought this to you ever. Um, if you don't want to ruin a moment by bringing something up, you cannot bring it up. What a novel idea. It's like, and he knows this. He know like this is where it's, I this dialogue of like, well, Katie's a bitch and Katie's mean and Katie holds grudges. Okay, but if you know that, let let let's say all that's true. If you know that, don't bring up her mortal enemy and how you feel bad not going to their dinner. 
Yeah. It's not that difficult. It's really not. So we, but also we cut back to the remnants of the of the dinner, and James is apologizing to Lala and Ariana, and Ariana is kind of like, sort of like still in her feelings and not taking it. And there's this this awkward silence, and Lala just goes, "Are my nipples even?" <laughs> and and Lala, and Ariana's like, "Yeah, that one's a little." <laughs> James is like trying to look everywhere but her chest. <laughs> yeah, but Ariana eventually accepts the apology, and they hug. Which good for him for not staring and participating in that. No, your your nipples are uneven. Conversation. Sure. Like I mean, I feel like he has slightly grown. Maybe you know, in the last six years he's been on the show, seven maybe. Eight. Yeah, he didn't call Lala a dumb whore for having crooked nipples. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> I mean, growth. <laughs> yeah. Um, growth. Uh, Schwartz. Uh, in Katie, we we'll go back to Schwartz and Katie. And then this this is where it starts off. Schwartz just goes, you know what? Now that I think about it, now that we're divorced, I'm I feel like I'm more apt to defend you. And Katie's like, what? And, and the entire world said, what? Yeah, it's like she's like, you don't defend me at all. Like you literally, like you know, uh, you know, I can't eat. You know, this whole, you know, I can't pull a wife husband card ever in terms of our. And he goes, you know. You know, you you pull the wife husband card all the time, though. You know, you can't use the wife husband card like sixteen times a day. And Katie goes, "But you never ever did it. Like, it's not me. Like, who cares if I pull it sixteen times a day when you've never done it once?" Yeah. And also, this idea of pulling this is where it's like pulling the wife or husband card. It's like, so you expect me to just support you no matter what? Kinda, yeah, in public. Like I get like if there are certain things that you genuinely feel someone's doing poorly, we've talked about that there's a way to do it in private, but also like But you, even like you can support somebody without agreeing with them. Yes, absolutely. Like you can literally step in and go, hey, lay off and not like agree with what she's saying. Yeah. You don't have to agree with what she's saying if you don't agree with what she's saying, but you can at least step in and go, This conversation's over. Yeah. It's 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 so fucking. And it's it's so simple to like just show that you love somebody. It, it's so easy, and you failed every time. And but Schwartz thinks he did. A, he literally says, "I think I was a great fucking husband." Bitch, where is the great? Is you being a great husband in the room with us right now? This so because I feel like you're imagining. So it. and I will, I don't want to get too ahead of things. So our kind of di- the, like our disagreement that we kind of had is like you kind of point out, and I think you're you're right in terms of like sort of Schwartz's ticks and some of the things that he does unintentionally to like I help with. Like, I feel like you're latching onto that, and that has nothing no, 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 to no. do with my actual argument. No, the way I'm sir, but the way I'm bringing the, the reason I'm bringing this up is that like I can resonate. I can agree with that. I agree that there's like certain things that people do to like diffuse situations or like you know that are that are uncontrollable almost in the sense. But my problem with Schwartz is moments like where he says things like "I was a great fucking husband." I don't there's, disagree with you. No, on no, this. I'm not saying you do. But like, there's a delusion there that I find so infuriating. When literally she's broken up with you, she literally has told you, like, out of her mouth that you weren't a great husband to her. And it's like, I like at this point the fact that you are like, maybe you're making trying to make yourself believe it at the end of the day. But like this, it's devoid of fact. 
And that's where it's like it almost comes. And Katie l- uses the term later in the dinner, but like it comes off gaslighty. Oh, one hundred percent. Like so, the the reason that Eamon brings up the ticks is because when Katie a little bit later gets up and leaves the table and leaves the restaurant, he he does this. He has a smile uh, on he, his face. Well, it's not like a big old grin, but it's like that that like smirky type thing is how you characterized it yeah and it to me that's similar to someone who laughs at a funeral or in a serious situation it's something that you can't necessarily help and i don't think lumping that in with the assessment of him being an asshole is yeah. fair no I get it, that. it's not a display of him being an asshole that's just him being uncomfortable He's an asshole completely independent of that. Right. I think there's also a larger, like, I agree with you. I think there's a larger, like, vibe from not, and it's not, when I say this, it's not just Schwartz. It's actually a lot, all, pretty much all the men on this show if, of this perception of, like, bitches be crazy. And, like, you know, there's a, dis, there's a dismissiveness of how he talks to Katie. Oh, of, yeah. Like, what you're bringing to me is just you being a bitch and you being this, like, you know, jealous fucking like selfish person who doesn't have actual isn't allowed to have a range of actual emotions or feelings and i that we were talking about like you see if you look at comments under post about vanderpump rules about schwartz and katie it's always like schwartz has a point katie is a mean girl katie is a bit of a bitch she is you know up her own ass and it's like okay but i feel like if schwartz gave her a moment to sort of be emotional and express her emotions probably she wouldn't have it wouldn't compound in a way to where she comes off very negative that's my theory like like turns out when you constantly are being uh unsupported by um your friends and gaslit by your husband and pretty much have nobody on your side ever um you might be a little bit of a bitch. Yeah. But Kate, Katie, and not just Katie, but I would say women on this show, don't get that range. Schwartz is allowed to be an asshole. And there are still even moments in this episode of like, you know, Schwartz has lost his mojo and he needs to get his confidence back. But that's never, except from like maybe Lala and Christina Kelly, that's never given to Katie that that grace and yeah. that wa- desire for that person to you know they're in a slump but they can be better that's never given to Katie and that's what frustrates me yeah and and you know but the and even in the dinner Schwartz at one point goes you know this is why I didn't stick up to you to- stick up for you towards the end of our marriage and I was like towards the end or towards the beginning or or the middle or or beforehand or or even any time afterwards so like and it was so sad watching Katie in her confessional. And yeah. the producer is like, did you ever like think about like why he, ne- why he had this issue of never sort of having your back in this regard? And Katie just goes, the only conclusion I could get to is that he never liked me. He may have loved me, but he never liked me. Yeah. And that's, it's so fucking sad, yeah. but it's true, honestly. And, and like, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. Like that's really fucking terrible. And at a certain, and that's why I also don't like, I've seen comments too of like, well, Katie forced him to get married. Okay. But he could have been an adult and actually communicated with this person of like, sorry, you're not the love of my life. I can't. Or be- even if he was an adult and said, Hey, 
I'm not ready to be married. And if you're ready to be married, I, I'm not there yet. And that was Katie's whole point, by the way, was like, I need to move on if you're not ready. Like that was like Katie handled it in, a, in an adult manner and is to this day getting comments blaming her for forcing Schwartz to marry her. And it's like because Schwartz couldn't be a fucking adult as the 40 year old man he is now and actually make a decision taking into account other people, uh, other people other than himself. Yeah, that that's my frustration. Um, you know, and Katie calls him out for sort of gaslighting about being in Brock's wedding party. And at, like Katie's trying to get the words out and Schwartz is just talking over her. And Schwartz then just goes, I think it's better when we don't talk that much. And then, like, they're getting, they're starting to eat dinner, and he's like, oh, that's, oh, the steak's really, and looks over, and Katie's crying. Like, literally, like, she, and it's, it's clearly a cry of, like, I can't even communicate. Like, I yeah. can't even express myself at this moment without getting jumped down. And it's, like, that, it's, it's a frustrated cry. And Swartz starts doing the, oh, Bubba, Bubba, no cry, no, Bubba. But then, like, as she's in, crying, trying to even express herself in that moment of, like, you know, every, you know, I just want, you know, I, every, you know, I, all this group is fucking hates me now and fucking, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't take, take into account that I have feelings in this. And he's like, well, it's not everyone. It's just, you know, and she's like, it's Raquel and Sheena. And like, they're, you know, they've just been so mean. And before she can even get the words out, he's like, well, Katie, you were a provocateur in that case. And she's just like, I'm fucking done and walks out. Like, also, in what scenario was Katie a provocateur in the Sheena stuff? In what fucking scenario? Because Sheena, she stood up for herself. Sheena was the one who brought, tried to rehash the shit about the divorce in the podcast and bringing up the Raquel stuff, was pushing Raquel to make out with Schwartz. Like, Katie responds, responds and suddenly she's the one who started this? That's fucking bullshit. I'm, and this, this comes to the crux of my assessment of Schwartz. Schwartz doesn't want anybody to make waves. He is fine with people being awful as long as it's not making waves. Like, he is fine with Schwartz or with uh, Sandoval mowing him down constantly. He is fine with Sheena treating people like shit. But the second that somebody stands up, to one of those people and pushes back. That's when Schwartz has a problem. Well, I also, th I, I think there's also truth to that. A lot of this is Sandoval's fault. And I think a lot like Sandoval has been putting in Schwartz's head, how much Katie is a bitch. And for, for yeah. the entire run of the show, I feel, but I, I will say if you go back and look at the way that Schwartz was raised and, and this is not making an excuse because he's 40 fucking years old and he has the, the, autonomy to make a fucking decision to be a different person than how he was raised. Yeah. Um, but if you go back and look at the way that his family handles things, I guarantee you it is a, you do not address issues. You sweep it under the rug. If somebody makes a wave, they are cut out. Sure. And because that is the way he has acted since day one on this show. And it has always been towards Katie. Yeah. I think it's just to also, I, and we talked about this a little bit. It, it's also one thing to see this playing out on the show as well, but also when even the, like, 
part of me also thinks like when you're on a reality TV program, you have this thing called hindsight when you watch a season back or you like you can see yourself in ways that you maybe didn't see yourself when you were in the moment in that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's my frustration now with Schwartz is that he's seen these episodes and doesn't think he's done anything wrong. Yeah. When, when we won't get into that watch what happens live episode with oh, Schwartz too much, which was hell. beyond the, we'll talk later about the, I think maybe about the bombshell that he dropped in terms of the, of the scandal element of it. But he go at, during the after show, he's still like, you know, yeah, Katie played the wife card too much. And you know, you know, yeah. At a certain point I became numb to it. You know, like that's his, his idea, his idea of owning it is like, you know, I became really numb to it, but you saying that still puts the onus of it on Katie and he calls Katie in it a monster. Yeah. And it's like, it's fucking cruel at this point. Even and it, as he's saying that, even Andy has a reaction at the end of like, you need to stop. Like, like even Andy has an exasperation on his face of like, I like. If she was a monster, why did you marry her? That's my thing. Like, to, I, I because he was already in a relationship with her. He didn't want to get married to her because it would change something. That is causing a ripple. And this right? is a man. I'm and sorry. This is a man who has cheated on her multiple fucking times. Yeah. Even Jax has gone as far as saying Katie's never cheated. Yeah. Like, like, like he has cheated on her multiple times. He's poured beer on her head during a fight. You know, the multiple times he doesn't stand up for her in arguments and not only, not only doesn't stand up for her in arguments, look at the fight last season. Remember, we talked about it with the, uh, the whole police officer prank and the stuff he's saying to her about like, you're so fucking ugly when you complain. And <clears throat> it's like so degrading. Yeah. And like, I, that like, but she's the monster. And there's enough people that it's so it, even more infuriating than him saying that is seeing the comments underneath of people being like, he has a point. Katie is a bitch. It's like, mm, there's a, there's a misogyny that we've talked about on this show that I think is, it permeates in many ways. And I, I just get so fucking frustrated with it, but let's not, let's move on to the rest of this episode. Cause it's, I, I get so heated at, about it. Um, so Allie, comes back to the table, right? Um, after this, you know, leaving to sort of cool down. <laughs> and I, she comes back with Brock and sits back down and she just goes, hi, are we safe? <laughs> I like Allie. I, like Allie, Allie's not, you know, Allie's I mean, smart. And I said this to you before when we were watching it, I'm always going to give a side eye to anyone that James brings in because sure. of the Raquel of it all. But I feel like, and and this is why I feel so trepidatious because I felt like Raquel was breaking free of that stigma of you were bring, coming in, clinging on to somebody mm -hmm. else. So, well, I mean, that's not her thing anymore. She's yeah. made her own spot on the show, I guess. Yeah. But so, Allie, so uh, people did some snooping and found that Allie was like an, on an old reality show in like 2004, I think called the Valley. So I don't think you're wrong. She's old enough to have been on a show on. I think it was like, I think it was like, I, I never watched the Valley, um, but I think it was like people in their teens. So okay. I, it, I think, but like, it, 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 I don't think you're wrong in having suspicions is what I'm saying of like, it's not, it's not far off that someone would try to date someone on this show to get on the show. Like, I mean, James did it. James. Yeah, James, exactly. So, but they're talking about, so Sheena's like, we're taking the catamaran out tomorrow for like my bachelorette. And Lala's talking to Christina Kelly, who's next to her being like, 
you know, I'm not sure if I, I, I I'm still, uh, still deciding if I want to go essentially, I don't want to, you know, cause issue with Raquel being there. And James just goes, Oh, Sheena, uh, Lala's not going on the catamaran. <laughs> and Sheena's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like, and, and gets pissed at Lala about it. Um, and, uh, so, and also Sandoval and, and the others are going to get drinks later at this club called desires, which that's a metaphor. Um, and then, Ugh. and then Lala and James, Lala's like, what the fuck James really? And goes to talk to Sheena and Brock and is like, look, I didn't like, I didn't want to throw off the energy. My whole point was I want to do something that doesn't fuck up your energy of your bachelorette. You know, that's, that was all I said. I wasn't trying. And you know, Brock is like, you know, Katie's at this vacation and you know, so you know, this vacation's not about Katie, so don't side with Katie essentially. Who brought up Katie? No one. Nobody like, brought up Katie. And Sheena's like, well, and but Sheena then brings up, like, why is Christina Kelly here at this dinner? And like that is like that we talked about it. That that was shady on Lala. And Lala's yeah. like, I didn't think it was a wedding dinner. Like it that was That shouldn't matter. You you know that Sheena's there. It you shouldn't be bringing Christina or Katie around like I I understand not wanting to exclude Katie from things and still wanting to spend time with her while you're there totally get it I actually agree with that yeah but you shouldn't be bringing her to anything that Sheena's at right speaking of Christina Kelly we go to Katie's room after she stormed out of the dinner and she's just texting Christina I fucking hate him (laughs) 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 which like such a mood like honestly i'm with you girl and like she's like can you come back up to the room and she's like yeah i'll be right up and schwartz calls katie still at the dinner as he's like eating his steak or whatever it's just like katie come back and but well he says it in a very condescending tone he's like katie come back even the tone is like you're being over dramatic it's like no yep. shut the fuck up dude and he and katie immediately hangs up on him good for her yeah um, and Katie vents to Christina about it and what happened. And Christina is just like, this is a reminder why you're not with him. Like, like take that as a, rem- a thousand percent. Uh, and I fully agree. And with I that. think that that's why she started crying at the table. Cause she, she realized, I don't think a friendship is even salvageable from this Yeah, because he's going to continue to shit on me. He's going to continue, like the whole point of the divorce was to get away from this treatment and he's still going to treat me like this. Yeah. So there, I can't even maintain a friendship here. So, but the, oh my God. So then we get a knock on the door and they're like, what the fuck? And then they look out and they're like, it's Raquel. And they're like, why the fuck is Raquel here? And they this open, whole scene. And they open the door and it's like, it's, there's also like no music in the background. So it feels like really ominous. And Raquel's like, can I come in? And they're like, why? It's like, just to come in first. I, I just need to say something. She's like, you can say it here. <laughs> she, but, they like try to keep her at the door. They're like, I don't want you in the room. But it's, but they're like, okay, you can come inside. And they're like, like and she, Raquel's like, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys sit down, et cetera. So um, I just came up because Sheena wanted me to tell you guys um, that she, she took you off of the preferred list. So you can't be by the pool with the swim up bar. <laughs> Katie and Christina just start laughing. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it's 
It was someone would say best. It was giving Alex McCord telling Jill Zarin that Bethany doesn't want to be her friend anymore. Yeah. Oh, I mean, honestly, I felt validated because I was like, yes, that is that's what my researcher said. So yes, I feel I feel like my snooping and uh, research played out there. Yeah. Um, and K- Katie was great in her confession. She's like, it's just rich that Raquel is telling me not to do something. The self awareness is so lacking. Yeah. Which, yeah. And Christina, Christina brings up like, you know, is it an issue with me, et cetera? Like, I kind of want to have a conversation with Sheena because I came to the dinner and obviously, but I feel like there's still issues. And Raquel's just like, you know, still trying to like be like, yeah, so it's just this pool or whatever during the wedding. And Katie's just basically like, I mean, I feel like if I want to go to the pool, I'll go to the pool. Like, we'll just go. And Raquel's just like, so you'll just go wherever you want. Katie's like, yeah. And Christina tries to, like, clean it up, like, while Raquel's leaving. She's like, no, we'll stay away from the pool. And then Katie goes, or we won't. (laughs) Maybe I'll be drunk and I'll forget. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was so great. And then, like, (laughs) Raquel leaves and Katie just goes, what a dumbass, dude. I feel bad for her. Uh, it was such a mood. So then we go to desires as they're, they're drinking more and Ariana and Raquel immediately hug, which I was like, Oh, for fuck's sake, this is just going to get more awkward. The more we go. Um, and then Raquel tells Sheena what she did in Katie's room. And then Sheena's just basically like, cause it, cause Oh, as cause we showed a flashback of like when they were checking in Sheena being like, so who's the bridesmaid that's going to tell uh, Katie that she's not allowed by the pools, et cetera. And Sheena now in her confessional is like, I was joking. Like I wasn't being serious at all. But the fact that Raquel did that was honestly savage. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Fuck off. Yeah. So we go, we go uh, the, it's the next morning and uh, James is like, oh, God, I got a rally for Brock's bachelor, like, thing at this, like, day club, um, which, like, oh, my God, more drinking and shit. With, like, this was the gayest bachelor party I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. So they're all in fucking Speedos, Speedos with Brock's face on them in drag. And, yeah, but, like, and they're, like, what, they're, like, they're slapping each other on the ass and they're, like, grabbing each other's, like, it was, like... Oh, it was too much. And James in his confession is being like, I just can't with the, yeah, let's take some Viagra and fuck some kangaroos. I didn't remember that part of the bachelor party, but okay. Yeah. So, and, and as this, like, so Katie and Christina are at the pool. I think this is the pool that they were banned from. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we came in and they were like, we gave them our room numbers and they're like, yeah, you're allowed in. So even Sheena yeah. fucked that up. I don't, I don't know. Um, and then the ladies are on the catamaran for Sheena's bachelorette. Um, you know, oh, oh, and over at the bachelorette party, like Schwartz and Sandoval are like eyeing up some of the women or whatever that are there. And like Sandoval's like, yeah, me and Ariana check out girls all the time. Oh, yeah, because uh, Schwartz had gone, it still feels illegal to check out other girls. And Sandoval's like, oh, yeah, well, we check them out together all the time, I'm guys sure and do. girls. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I'm sure it's a real mutual agreement that you guys have. Yeah, the only difference is Ariana leaves it there. Mm. You go fuck them. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm, oh, he just missed that part in the memo. 
Like it's, it's all a misunderstanding. Ju- he he didn't understand that I fucking was just I fucking. Yeah. And Schwartz thinks that one of them looks like Raquel or whatever, and he talks about how beautiful Raquel is. And Sandoval is. immediately goes, you no, point- that's not her. You pointed this out. You're like, you just saw the back of her, and you immediately... Like, you, mm, you should not know what the back of your friend looks like in a bikini. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the catamaran, um, Lala pulls Allie to the side, and Raquel's talking about, you know, she kind of didn't want Allie to be invited, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give off Lala energy. Like, whatever. It's so tiring. Yeah, I'm so over Raquel. Um, and Lala talks to Allie of sort of, like, basically just kind of giving her a pep talk in, in the sense about, like, the James stuff and, like, basically telling her that she needs to, you know, always maintain her power. And, like, she, you know, she was like, last night was a lot, and but Lala's also like, you know, last night is relatively tame to what you could experience in the future, which is true. Like, yeah. And it's like, and Lala even like is crying to her, but just being like, I want to look out for you because I see you're a really good person. And like, you know, and she kind of makes the comparison in her confessional of James to Randall. Yeah. About like, you can have all the red flags in front of you, but there's this person that's like so good at creating an illusion that like, Yep. Which, like, yeah, it, yeah, he's not wrong. Um, uh, and so, and oh, oh, and like Sandoval's trying to like get Schwartz with some of these girls at this party, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, over at, we go to Villa Rosa as Lisa and Ken are, are getting ready to have, uh, uh, Pandy and Jason over. Which, when she said that, I was like, oh, God, with the news that came out about Jason, um, and his business. Jeez. Oh, God. Um, we won't get into it. It's all alleged. Um, Ken says that they talk about Greg and, and about them not still being open yet. And <laughs> I love Lisa being like, what did you think of Greg? And he's like, he was, was okay. fine. <laughs> like, Ken does not give a fuck. Um, and uh, Lisa says that, you know, uh, that the fact that Greg didn't really understand who he's in bed with in terms of the Toms and like the maybe bit off more than you can chew in this and that, but that they're not going to, he's Lisa's just worried that they're not going to be able to open in 10 days and wants to help them. But does like, it's like, I don't want to step on Greg's toes. It's a weird, like, you know, yeah, it's a weird predicament because Lisa always wants to mother. I mean, if I was Lisa, I would just be like, you guys figure it out. I don't like, it's not my restaurant. <laughs> like fuck it at the end of the day. Like if it doesn't fuck with Tom, Tom, I don't really care at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so they're getting ready also for the uh, the welcome white party. So they're welcome. Uh, Lala talks about it later. There are way too many. How many fucking parties are they doing on this vacation? Like, you're in, you have an engagement party, a welcome party, a bachelor party, a bachelorette party. Uh, like, it's like, oh, it's way It's too Sheena. Much. It's Sheena. Everything got to be perfect. Um, and then Allie basically in their hotel room tells James what Lala said. And James is really upset about it. Like, oh, did he, co- you know, she compared me to Randall or whatever. I, she did. She technically, I don't think did it in front of Allie, but she definitely did in the confessional. Yeah. I thought it was pretty obvious what was happening, but maybe not. Yeah. And it's like, Lala, maybe look at yourself. You know, uh, what did he say about like, oh, she, you know, she didn't pay attention of cause she wanted a pickleball in the back. It's, yeah, it, it was. I, I just am frustrated that James doesn't do anything on this trip, but or 
really in in life at all unless it is shitting on Lala, shitting on Raquel, or shitting on Brock. Basically. That's <laughs> all he does. Literally. One of those is is valid. Maybe a little bit of Raquel, too. No, I, I meant shitting on Raquel was valid. I oh. don't think shitting on Lala and shitting on Brock really is valid because he literally, even in the confessional, goes, oh, yeah, well, this... He was shitting on the party, but then he was like, oh, yeah, all of these guys I would definitely go party with. And it's like, then yeah. why are you complaining about the partying? I think he's still really pissed off about the wedding stuff from last year, about the, yeah. He yeah. doesn't know how to do anything but be pissed off. He he has this weird, like, particularly with Brock, he has this weird, like, feud with that I don't really fully understand and, like. Because he doesn't know how to be satisfied or happy with anything. Sure. He only exists in the space of complaining. Yeah. No. <laughs> There's a moment later where it's like, oh, my God, James. Um, but people start filing into the welcome party that they're having. But Lala isn't going and is meeting up with Katie and Christina for dinner. Um, <laughs> even though she, everyone's supposed to dress in white and Lala's in, the, in white, but it's like with Katie and Christina who are both in black. Um, you know. And they're seated, like, right across from the, like, the part, like, the restaurant is sort of, like, opened, like, mm -hmm. open wall. And, like, literally right across from them is the party. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a big resort, but it's not that big. Yeah. Like. And Katie just is like, cool. <laughs> and But Katie in his, her confessional is like, I just picked this restaurant because I thought the menu looked good. It had nothing to do with, like, trying to, like, eye up Sheena's party or whatever. And, you know, I didn't plan it this way. And then, like, waits a couple seconds and then smiles in her confessional, <laughs> which I love. Um, and then, like, Sheena's there at the end, like, Sheena's talking with people and Katie and them are in the background. And she's like, oh, my God, Sheena, like, Katie and them are there? Really? Oh, my God. It's Sheena's so obsessed. Like, like yeah. just enjoy your festivities. Yeah. And Raquel's like, I know, it's crazy. And then Raquel, this was the most cringiest bullshit ever. Raquel in her confessional being like, it's they're like the you know her and Christina Kelly are like the two old people from the Muppets, and she's in her confessional with her like god like, awful pink fuzzy thing. I mean, well, that was odd. I mean, um, like oh look at that cutie. Oh, they're having so much fun. It was like don't do comedy. I can't, Raquel stop. Like it, it's it was so cringy and awful. Um, we find out that Christina actually like before the dinner talked to Sheena about their issues and Christina kind of basically apologized about the comments she made about the wedding dress and during her first wedding and all that stuff. And I feel like Christina was like, I don't want issue. Like, you know, like yeah. it's not that big of a issue to me. Katie's like, I don't even think you need to apologize to her, but like, whatever, like, but, you know, I like Christina Kelly. I think Christina Kelly is largely no bullshit. I think she has a good read on people, as we see, we saw with Raquel. I and she also realizes that she needs more than one in to be back on this show. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> oh, and the, so this is the other James moment I was talking about. Like, so they're all partying or whatever, and they're like banging on these like water drums or whatever that have the like neon colors, and they're just partying or whatever. And James <laughs> is with Allie's like. Should we do the spinny thing? And Allie's like, what's the spinny thing? He's like, you don't remember our spinny thing? And then he continues to shit on her for not knowing what the fuck he's talking about. And he's like, 
you know, it's fine. You don't notice me. I mean, you're, you know, they're all looking at me now that you didn't do it. So whatever, it's fine. It was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, no, like uh, there was, yeah. James needs to go to therapy real quick. Like it's a lot to go to hell real quick. Yeah. So, um, Sheena and Brock and Sandoval and Ariana are talking and Ariana is asking where Lala is and wonders, you know, why Lala said that she wanted to only go to the non-intimate stuff. And, you know, instead, and, but like this, you know, she's not here for this. Uh, and that Sheena then brings Schwartz over and asks if he's going to make out with anyone to get his groove. Cause Schwartz has to get his groove back or whatever the fuck as if like, but over uh, it, Sheena, but Sheena asked him if he's going to make out with someone. And Raquel immediately comes into the conversation. Even Ariana's like, like it, she's like, she had her ears perked up of just like, it literally looked like somebody was like, clicked her and dragged her across the screen yeah. to be next to. It was like, what the hell? Yeah, it's 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 too much. And I love Ariana t- telling Swartz, you only really like to make out with people when you're married to someone else. And everyone's like, Oof. Uh, true, but... Uh. Um, and, and, and she says that Raquel goes, maybe that's what it is. Shut the... She's the worst. She's so bad. She's such a villain. Um, because at this point, her and Sandoval are already fucking. Yeah, yeah, and and well, I so, are they already fucking at this point? Yes, because it's they started you, fucking on Boys Night. Do you think they're fu- so okay? So Schwartz on Watch What Happens Live dropped the bomb that he knew of a quote one night stand with Sandoval and Raquel in August. He says it was after the wedding. Or either after this episode, at the very least. So, yeah, I don't think that what he knew about had happened yet. So, but they clearly lied to him about it being a one night thing. Sure. Yeah. Like. So, yeah. No, I agree with that. But I'll, I think he caught them together at the wedding after this episode because the uh, on this episode is the twenty first. The wedding is on the 23rd. So there's still another day before the wedding. Um, My theory is he catches them probably in that three hours that they disappear. You think he he caught them in the act? I don't think he caught them in the act. I think he caught them maybe after. Okay. And, or maybe like, because I, I think maybe he goes, in, this is what my brain says. He goes in to kiss Raquel again, right? Mm. And smells Sandoval's he, cologne. He said something like, like I don't know. I, he said something similar to On Watch Weapons Live, and I couldn't tell if he was joking. But like. But that, that's what I think happens. And then he confronts Sandoval about it in private, out from in front of the cameras. Yeah. Can, uh, Sandoval cops to it, says it's a one-time thing. And then they drop it. Right. That's what I think happens. But we know that they've been fucking since boys night. Yeah. And the topic. So the topic of Katie comes up and Sheena's like, you have to stop calling her Bubba. You know, she's not your Bubba anymore. You've moved on, et cetera. And all that stuff. The only thing that Sheena has ever said that I agreed with. Well, yes, I agree. I agree with what Sheena said. But then Sandoval starts piping up and be like, dude, you have to cut her off completely. I don't want her at any more of the tastings. She can't be around the business anymore. Because she calls me out too much. Exactly. That's what exactly is. what it is. He is such a, like, as if, like, he's like, it's bringing the mood down. 
Like it's it's distracting us from our business. Shut the fuck up, dude. You have you can flounder with your business enough without Katie fucking distracting you. Did Katie fucking distract you so much that you can't price out a fucking drink menu? You know what's distracting you? Probably trying to keep up a seven month affair that, hidden from your wife. That could be very distracting. Yeah. Um, and La- so Lala also talks about oh so the, we go back to the dinner and Lala is talking about how uh, she's still talking to the Don, which oh my god. Um, and then Schwartz, I don't like it. Schwartz, as they're talking, is like snooping at them over this like pole, like he's like a barrel child, like just like, like you know, it's like what are you doing, dude? And then Christina's just like Schwartz, do you want to come over? Like, because it's like so obvious. Yeah. And like he comes over and he's like, look, I had I wanted to ask Katie something, you know. And they're like, do you want to be in private? Like it's like I like. He's like, just fucking say it, whatever. Like, he tries to go like, earmuffs, earmuffs for both of you. Like, no, I'm not covering my ears like a fucking four-year-old. Yeah, and he's say like, what you're going to say. And he's like, you know, Katie used to always shave my armpit hair. Can you shave my... It's like... I don't think that that was it. I think that that was made up on the on the spot. Duh. It, so, it Duh. sounded stupid. Like he, so, like, what was he going to say? In the middle of this party, he wanted... Like, but it, this is where it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, like... Clearly, he was trying to like apologize, and then he should just apologize. Yeah, but he can't do that. Yeah, what it, he leaves, and then Lala. I feel like Lala was perfectly on point with here. Where it's like he play like he's like Schwartz plays this like puppy dog after shitting on Katie, and then because he didn't because he he's not yelling at Katie, or because he's you know suddenly everyone feels sad for him. It's like, it doesn't matter what the tone of what you're saying is when the words yeah. are vicious. Well, and she's like, even I'm feeling sorry for him. And I'm like, no, fuck this guy. Yeah, that's where I'm like, I understand that there are, like, when I, when I was, we were talking about the ticks earlier. Like, yeah. I understand there are certain things you can't control. But I do, I think there's a middle ground where he, there are certain things he can't control. But I also think he's played off of this. And he knows how to manipulate this feeling of everyone feeling bad for him. Yes, but I don't know that it's conscious. Not maybe saying not. that that's an excuse. Maybe not. Con- maybe not but conscious. But typically, that kind of behavior is more. Um, it's usually developed as a survival tactic, and then continued on when it's becomes toxic yeah. and that's what's happening here. Um, again, not an excuse. It's something he needs to deal with and it's something that's been pointed out to him multiple times. So there's no excuse for him not to know it exists. Right. Um, but that that's where it feels like this comes from. Okay. I, I, and I can understand that, but then, okay. So then he goes from that to then he goes and Schwartz and Raquel then go off to sit at a table and literally they sit down and you they sit down and you hear Brock in the background go, make out. I hate ugh. Hate it. Yeah. This is like ugh. and Katie's like again in the facility. Right fucking there. Yeah, like it's like ugh. so Schwartz and, and then Schwartz is saying again that he's he feels like he's been a good divorcee and he's been super sweet and supportive. Where? Nowhere. Fucking nowhere. And, like, he's, like, it's not fair that Katie is, like, putting these restrictions on me. You know what? Like, the fact that you make, that you feel like it's restrictions says a lot about you. Like, 
It's not restrictions. They're common courtesies that then have to feel like restrictions because you're unwilling to just like have the decency to not fuck her friends. Like, honestly, I would have more respect for him uh, marginally, but I would have more respect for him if when she said, I don't want you to fuck around with anybody in the friend group. If he said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to promise that. Honestly. Like, I don't care if this hurts you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you need to deal with your emotions on your own. I'd have a lot more respect for him if he just said that. But he is so like. But he, he consciously or unconsciously, he need, he's doing it in a way to put himself in a victim mentality of yeah. Katie forced me to do this. Yeah. He 100%. Pu- she pushed me to, fu- to make out with Raquel. Yeah. And it's, gross it's so and and i think also again reeks of misogyny yeah yeah and and raquel is basically like you know i'm attracted to swords keep in mind she had said later on that watch what happens live that she never really thought of herself as being attracted to swords until you know and then she and is like it you know and it outweighs my desire to be friends with katie and then they make out and then i fucking barf it's like (laughs) it's gross so gross um, but yeah, so, um, that was Vanderpump rules for this week. I mean, riveting television, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I definitely, I am in my feelings a lot and I, and I want that reunion to come cause I want like, yeah. from all I've heard, it is a fucking reunion for the ages and is an evisceration and like, and like, I can't, Tom needs to get his fucking day of just being Sandoval of being ripped fucking apart. And I feel like that's the case. Schwartz does too, but this was not the time. And there was all this talk of Schwartz of like, Oh yeah, he knows what he did was wrong. And he, you know, he's really down, et cetera. Guess what? Like we talked about this, like there are literally TMZ reports as of a couple days ago, showing Raquel having quote unquote sleepovers at Sandoval and Ariana's house. When Ariana's away doing her fucking movie, he doesn't feel bad. He doesn't. Go fuck Raquel at her apartment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even that you're not knowledgeable of what basic human decency is. You know what you're doing is wrong, and you're doing it fucking anyway. By all accounts of, of what Lala and Katie and all of them have said uh, from what happened at the reunion is that they showed no remorse for their actions. They, you know, like, so I, fuck them. Fuck them. They're fucking narcissistic crazy people who have no basic human decency for another person. Like, I don't give a fuck that Ariana didn't want to marry you and have kids at this point. You weren't man enough to communicate with her that you wanted something else and are now going to try to play victim as if you're the aggrieved. Here, fuck you. Here's the thing. Um, if she didn't want to get married and you did want to get married and she didn't want to have kids and you did have want to ha- have kids, guess what? You could have left her. 1000%. You could have never bought a house together. And this isn't a new this thing. This isn't a new development. This is something that she has been adamant about since day one. You knew this shit. And so you, you signed on to this shit. So you don't get to then turn around and use that as an excuse for why you're fucking somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Team Ariana. 
at the end of the day. Uh, we're gonna take hashtag a- fuck these men. Fuck these men. Fuck these men. Uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna see a good man in the name of Pepsi uh, on a Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Three. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination and equity and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Let's get into this girls' trip part five uh, down in Thailand. Ultimate girls' trip, uh, ultimate girls' trip three, day five, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, this, this episode was a lot. Like, towards the end, I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, we'll get to it. Tequila's not that important. That's the long and short of it. (laughs) Basically. like that. Well, that's it. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) Have a good day, guys. (laughs) Just leave that (laughs) open-ended. We go to um, everyone getting ready in the morning, and Pepsi is getting ready for the day with uh, getting the kickboxers who he brought uh, sort of for the girls. Uh, ready and he works on like some like does some kickboxing with them and almost falls down at one point it was so kept Pepsi. you were like pepsi is on something he is like he, he's ha- i think he uh i think he's just excited because this is his day yeah so you know how everybody else has had a chance to like host a different portion of the trip right this day he is hosting he has planned everything, and he's excited to show the girls he, what he has. He for literally, them. as he's walking to like give them the notes or whatever what they're doing today, does like a little like skip to my loo, like clapping his Heel heels, yeah. like what the fuck? It was so funny. Um, and Leah, Heather, and Whitney decide to go down and kickbox, and and Leah's we've seen on Roni like Leah has box does boxing all the time and stuff like that. Um, Heather feels like it's helping her to let out some of the aggression when it comes to everything that Whitney has sort of said about her. 
and and is able to let that out. And Giselle is just watching them from the infinity pool, just like, yeah, you guys lay it in. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Um, Leah talks about her period again and how she, like, we need a counter. I think this is number five, the time that she has blamed something on her period. I it's definitely so, the second time that she's talked about having the runs. Yeah. And like, I have so many questions about it because like we talked about like her being in the hot tub on the yacht, like during it would seem odd. There's a moment later too, where it's like, what are you doing? Um, you know, and full disclosure, neither of us have vaginas. So yes. we do not, we don't have uteri, but we so also have we sort of like from, from what I've learned from women, like, and, and, and people with vaginas, like a basic understanding of like how that operates. Like I, I would personally think that, I mean, I probably with a swimming pool because it's a, it's a little bit cooler, but like a hot tub, you probably wouldn't want. Well, but like the heat will probably this, help with, is like there cramping and there? whatnot. Yeah, there is. But I don't think that that is really an issue. That actually would make it more sanitary. Mm. But also, aren't they self-cleaning? I've heard, like, aren't, like... Yeah, but you, like, you, like, you still got to <laughs> clean all of, like... <laughs> I don't know why you're cackling. I, I just love that this is the conversation we're having. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yes, they are self-cleaning, typically but like you can't just leave the blood in there no like yeah. you gotta clean that out. i mean that's got, yeah sure um <laughs> god um alexia and marisol are like decompressing in the confessional about how crazy last night was um and pepsi says that they're gonna take that she he's taking them into town to sort of go, sh- go shopping and have lunch and all that and then Marisol's gonna be hosting a dinner later that uh later that night um Whitney's talking about wanting to sort of put a pin in the Heather stuff and just have fun and like finally a housewife that gets that phrase correct. Put a <laughs> pin, pin in, in it. In it. <laughs> Where was Shannon Bedore when you need her? Um and, and she's basically I love that Whitney was kind of at least like open of like these girls don't understand the drama with me and Heather, so we should probably stop bringing it up, which like, yeah, like like this is way too complicated and seemingly nuanced for like regular people to understand what the fuck you guys are talking about. Like, so yeah. So, and she's like, I just want to focus on building relationships with other people. Um, so then we get to this whole fucking narrative that we had this whole episode. Cause Giselle's in the pool and she's like, Hey Pepsi. So I can't find this tequila bottle that we were all taking shots from that one night. And it's what is the bot? It's like Clase Azul. I think it's called. Yeah. It's like a really popular, like, yeah, it's that, white and blue with like little silver and gold accents one and giselle makes it seem like this is the only bottle of i think she literally says this later that it's like the only bottle of tequila in all of thailand well she's talking about this one brand no but yes they they have other tequilas but this is this one they don't have but she tries to make the point of justifying it in terms of like i don't drink vodka i don't drink wine i only drink tequila as if this was like specifically designed for her in order to be allowed to drink on the trip which like it i mean spoiler alert giselle is just trying to find an issue 
and it's just like Candace even calls it out later of like this is so manufactured. Yeah, it's who gives a fucking shit about this? But she's like, someone stole the bottle, you know, it, you know, and tells he's she tells Pepsi to be on the lookout, um, and you know, like Pepsi takes a picture of her phone screen. Like, like I, I was saying this watching it is like. There, there's options like you could airdrop. Yeah. You, you could text message. Like if your friends on Facebook, you could send a DM. You know, there, there are options here. Um, why did you need to take a? Or you could even, I don't know, look Google this item and find the same Google image that she pulled up. Yeah, there were a myriad, a laundry list of options that you could have gotten to before. Taking a picture with your phone of her phone screen. Yeah. That's that's also such a like 65-year-old boomer thing to do. Yeah. Like I just I can't this get like this gets at later too. It's just like why the fuck, Giselle, does anyone want this bottle of tequila taken from you? Why? Like what like the only thing I could come up with is I wouldn't put it past Heather taking it and hiding it as a prank. Yeah, to like get attention, maybe. Like that's the cl- but like, like but that's the like Heather does that sort of thing. Like will hide things like in a cabinet somewhere. Sure, but like who cares? Like it's not like she's drinking it. Like what? Yeah, it, and she talks to Giselle talks to Portia about it, and she's basically like, "Court's gonna be in session at lunch, and I got my suspect number one, and it's Heather because I don't believe anything she's saying." Um, about anything uh, it's yeah it's you know uh, exhausting it was really exhausting <laughs> it really was and so we get the other bit of drama because leah is talking to heather um and candace eventually comes in as well and she's talking about like you know i found it really ironic that in the at the sanctuary we were talking about sort of social media backlash and sort of how hard it is etc but then i come to find out that portia posted a group photo of us at the elephant sanctuary and didn't tag me and didn't tag candace i also thought this was kind of stupid i thought this was stupid but i also thought it was like i get what it's immature because on portia's part candace was upset about it too it's just that leah was the first one to bring it up on camera right 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 um so it's like it's immature absolutely like to make a big deal about it but it's also really immature to do it and like the fact that Portia was doing it and then acting like it wasn't a big deal acting like it wasn't rude like it wasn't backhanded is and like trying to convince them that it wasn't a big deal it's gaslighting it's bullshit like you know full well what you're doing you know like the fact that this is going to read a certain way, like when people like people will see that this is shady, people will see that there's an issue. People are you're trying to drum up drama. I think there were literally the whole thing. I think there were literally headlines when she posted that. Literally, I like, but like, you know, yeah, it's. I mean, Portia, immature, shocking. Like, <laughs> when has she's shown herself to be particularly mature. Um, but Portia said also. Portia made a comment how. She can't even remember what she was screaming, who she was screaming at last night and what she was screaming about, but she knew she was passionate about it. That was funny. Por- it's because Portia doesn't actually give a shit about any of the fights she gets in. She gets in fights to get in fights because she knows it's good TV. I, I, I'm going to say, and you know, 
may I'm maybe wrong in certain respects, but I'm I'm I said it when her Family Matters show was out. Team Kenya, yeah, Ken, like go back in retrospect. I'm not saying Kenya was perfect. Like Kenya was definitely more of a villain in her earlier seasons, but like Portia wasn't a saint. No, absolutely not. And 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 yeah. Um. So uh. And Leah, you Leah and Candace basically in we find out later too, like essentially clock what Portia's going to react to this, uh, like bringing this up. I'll be like, Oh, you wanted my followers. You wanted my blah, blah. Like, and Giselle literally says it later, which is just like, they fucking nailed it. Um, and Candace calls Portia a petty, toxic bitch who wants problems. Not wrong. So they're getting ready to go out and, um, uh, to go shopping, uh, in old town. Two things. What the fuck is Alexia wearing? She like this like tattered like like it it looked like she like uh, it was so unflattering and had cutouts in weird places and like talking about cutouts in weird places can we also talk about Leah's skirt what is what is that skirt like you have you know, hip you know cutouts. that sexy knee cutout like you know <laughs> oh showing off my knee like what the fuck <laughs> it was like. It was what it literally was a knee cut out. I was like, who is this for? <laughs> it was so odd. It was like so it's like she was wearing a dress backwards. Like like it was like she was wearing a dress with the like the straps on her like towards her feet. Yeah, it was bad. The whole thing was awful. Yeah, I don't. I do not understand it. There was also this fun moment where Leah and Heather were trying to get rid of a bug in during breakfast, and it like flies up Leah's skirt. And Leah's not wearing underpants. Which yeah, which so we, she starts pulling off her dress and like flashes her coochie all over the. It's it's great. So they go out, and Portia is because every, everyone's sort of drinking out of their cups, and Portia's like. Because apparently Marisol was the bartender and like <laughs> for their drinks in the morning. And Portia was like, I drink Hennessy and this is too much. And she's like, no wonder Marisol had a stomachache this whole vacation when she's drinking jet fuel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. That's how you get an ulcer. Uh, it, uh. Um, and then they also talk about that tomorrow they're going to a uh, Buddhist temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they, and Pepsi's like, also, you got to, you know, dress a little more modestly when you're in that. Cause it's obviously a religious, you know, right. uh, thing. And Mar- Marisol is also like, she's like worried that Candace is going to pop off and, and like, she's like, cause Candace is, re- you know, gets really loud. I felt like this was like, I, I'll just say, I, it felt like kind of like unconsciously bigoted. I don't necessarily agree. Candace does get loud, but it's always warranted when she does. Well, that's my thing. Like, there's all there was all this discussion later about like Candace gets so loud in confrontations. I'm like, Portia's just as loud, and and, and I guess they're both. I, I mean, they're both black, but like Giselle was really like like playing that up as well. And there was all this obviously this discussion on Potomac about colorism and and that right. regard. It's just like I don't think she's any louder than Giselle or Whitney or. I don't know. I think as Candace would say, she's just better with her words. Um, you know, uh, Alexia said that she just found out what shade was and like based off of the reasonably shady game. Oh, Alexia. Uh, and Leah talks about like, you know, she likes shade, but not passive aggressive shade like Giselle and them and Portia have been dishing out to her. Um, 
There was this, so they, they have the, on Peacock, they have the interactive sections again where you can. I hate it. it. It's not great. But there was this weird scene where, like, again, didn't need to be included, where Pe- they talk about what they would, like, their bucket list things they would want to do. And Pepsi talks about wanting to skydive. But then he says he would want to, like, like skydive, but also pee in the air. And then goes on to say so that he could pee on his face. The, what? Moving on. <laughs> we didn't. I love you, Pepsi, but I didn't need to know about your proclivity for water sports. Yeah. I just, I wasn't, I didn't need it. But doesn't it make sense in a kind, weird way? Uh, yeah. Kind yeah. Of. Um, so uh, they go to Old Town and uh, Pepsi's assistant, Nam, is showing them around uh, and guiding them. <laughs> this is where Heather, the, Heather has this line in her confessional of like, I, I think we can all agree on, on, on shopping. I mean, these are my two favorite subjects, capitalism and exploiting third world boutiques. <laughs> wow. She is from Salt Lake. <laughs> Oh my God. And oh, and then Candid, the topic of like, um, I forgot how this comes up of like, like the idea of Pepsi being a sugar daddy or something like, oh, oh, because Pepsi's like, I got all the money for you to shop with, like in these like red envelopes. And he's like fanning himself and doing all this. Like, and Candace goes, I can see the sugar daddy vibes on Pepsi. We should probably ask Porsche. She would probably know. <laughs> oh, oh, so good. Candace was lethal in her confessionals this episode. Um, but they go in and they're starting to buy gifts for the monks to take to the temple later. Cause it's a th- like when you go, you have to basically give like an offering. Right. Uh, sort of thing. Um, and the whole, as they're doing this, Leah is like talking about like, like that she's re- her, she says she's, she says her vag is hot and wet, which is like, Oh God. Like, I but, didn't need that. but that she's like basically overheating. Essentially. She just say you're overheating. Don't like, it doesn't have to all be in relation to. Yeah. Um, and then Giselle, like, apparently gave her Tums or something. Um, then they go shopping a little further. They get what, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, because I, I've always known Tums to do a lot for um, um, vaginal wetness. Well, she also says it feels like her insides are burning, which, like, I, so I don't know what it was. Like, I mean, look, periods are not pleasant. Like... I, I get that you're going through a lot and you have a lot of symptoms, but, and, and I'm not trying to minimize what no. people go through, <laughs> really but, bad. but like, it's the only thing she's talking about on this trip. Yeah. I just, girl, <laughs> poor Leah. As, as I said. Poor Leah. Uh, we go and they get these like frozen like milk teas or whatever. And one of the, like, they're, they're like very like, like long on the top or whatever. And like, I guess one of them like, came on Whitney's face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She's like, I didn't see that coming. Um, and yeah, Leah's still feeling bad. And they go into this like dress shop as they're shopping. And we get this like, like Leah's just like zoning out essentially as everyone's like shopping and like looking at stuff. And then she basically is like, I can't feel my legs and collapses, which is like, oh, is Leah going to get mad of act? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, oh, and this, 
so they're like all freaking out and like fanning her and like what do we do do we lay her down do we set her up do we lay like <laughs> they're not calm about this whatsoever and heather uh, at like, Heth- she's probably dehydrated because she's literally bleeding a lot of her hydration out like yeah, and it's in such a Marisol moment. Like Heather asks, like, does anyone have like sugar or like gum or something that you know to for her? And Marisol goes, I only have booze. <laughs> yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's probably the best idea. Yeah, and Leah. Well, and then this moment is like Leah. Leah's like, don't lift my legs. I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> we know. Yeah, and but. <laughs> And then Portia and Giselle find this to be the funniest fucking thing. And like, do not give a fuck about Leah, by the way. But they're just like, I love Portia's literally like, oh, I'm going to die in here. Oh, wait, my coochie. <laughs> she, they basically kind of act like Leah's playing it up. And I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that Leah is playing it up in this moment. But do I think that Leah has a history of grabbing something and running with it absolutely i also find it hilarious that giselle is like making fun of someone for looking for attention yeah or or portia (laughs) or portia (laughs) cut to where the fuck is my tequila bottle (laughs) uh candace oh and then but they're they're all gonna go to lunch but Candace immediately spots, oh, wait, there's a weed shop. So her and they're like, and we found out weed's legal. So her and Heather and Whitney go to his shop and they're like, and Pepsi is advising them like, don't buy anything that you can't finish here. Like you can't take it on the plane. Um, and, and Candace is like, you're going to have to bail me out of jail, Pepsi. Um, Jeez. And yeah, so I, I think it's Alexia, Marisol, and Portia and Giselle are, are getting lunch. And, and Leah's going back to the villa because, you know, to cool down and all that. Um, and uh, they're talking, they're, they're basically talking about how Candace throws tantrums and stuff like that. To me, I felt like this was really narrative setting of like Candace oh, is this completely. explosive person and stuff like that. And, and yeah, it felt calculated. Um, they're coming back and Candace said they got good wheat. Candace talks about how she has an emergency blunt in her kitchen, which I love that phrase. That is, yeah. that is a perfect way to put that. And then, okay. So now we get to the bottle and Giselle is immediately going into interrogation mode and like, you know, they're, t- she's discussing the situation. She's setting the scene or whatever. And then Giselle and Heather's like, Oh, so the bottle's missing. And Giselle goes, can I talk? Like immediately cutting Heather off for no reason. It was just way too much. <laughs> Heather is like, at least, or uh, Giselle brings up your suspect number one because I don't trust you. You lie all the time, blah blah blah, or whatever. And Heather in a confessional, this spoke. This feels like Heather is like, at least the mean girl's giving me attention. Like, like that's all I really want at the end of the this day. This explains her relationship with Jen Shaw so much. One hundred percent. It was like this is uh go to she needs therapy asap. Um. And then Giselle obviously thinks that Marisol's another subject because of her drinking, um, you know, and then uh, also thinks Candace as well. Um, and she's like, you know, I, I, you know, Giselle makes a comment of like, I was in the shower ruminating over this of like, you know, how, you know, fucked up this was. And Portia goes, damn, you can't even wash your ass without thinking about this. Uh. Candace. So, and then, so Giselle tries to bring Candace into this of like, 
you stole uh, the same tequila bottle when we were in Mexico on the cast trip for Potomac. And Candace is like, you told me to take that fucking bottle. And the production had to be literally like, no, you can't take that bottle. You're not getting arrested from the restaurant. And Candace in confessional explains, look, I thought that production had purchased this already. So I was taking it because I thought it was already ours. Yeah. And Giselle told me to take it. So that's why I was taking it. And then production said, no, it's not ours. That like, I wouldn't have taken it if I, number one, hadn't been told to. And number two, hadn't thought that it was already ours to take. Right. And Candace is just like, look, I think you stole the bottle to make this a thing. Like, that's what I think. I really do. They're all yelling. And Pepsi is over on the other table looking so fucking annoyed of like, these women are going to get arrested and, and, and it's going to be all my fault. See, I didn't even see annoyed. I saw distraught. He looked embarrassed. Yeah. He was mopping sweat from his forehead. He looked like he was like almost ready to have a panic attack. Well, everyone is staring at them like as they're like yeah. yelling at each other. And Giselle's like, well, I want to search the rooms. What? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, like you're all going to get strip searched. Like at this point, it's like <laughs> Candace in her confessional. I want nothing from you. You have nothing to offer but long necks and stovepipe legs. Bitch. No one wants that. Um. So Leah is still is resting over at the at the villa, but Candace then decides now at this moment to bring up Portia's Instagram post and stuff like that. And Portia's just like, I don't care. Like literally says over and over again that she doesn't care. And Candace basically, it's like, it's essentially like cyberbullying. I think that's a little too far of a... Of a eh, if it was normal people, yes. But I with get her the, point with of like, the, within the context of they have platforms and what they post on Instagram has implications that are beyond just the, the internal relationships between the girls. Yeah. I will agree with her on that. She was basically saying, signaling to people that like her, I don't like Candace, I don't like Leah, attack them. Sure. And to this day, if I post something on Twitter in support of Candace, and it happened literally today, you get a bunch of, like, random accounts oh, with really? no tweet history, with no profile picture, Coming after you in the comments. Interesting. Literally had it out with some rando today on Twitter because I deigned to support Candace instead of Giselle. Yeah. Can Giselle, we see your burners. We see, we it, see it literally is either a Porsche burner or a Giselle burner. So I either had it out with one of those two ladies. Hey, ladies, um, you're not very good at arguing because I literally knocked you down several times. So... <laughs> Chill. Uh, and, and Porsche's like, oh, are you sad? Are you crying? And then starts folding a triangle for her, which I thought was funny. Um, that, that was funny. Um, and, then and then again, Alexia starts like chiming up for some reason. And it's just like, Candace, you told us to shut the fuck up yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And Candace is like, you talk, you don't let people talk, Alexia. And then like, there, again, it's, so it's like five people yelling at each other. 
And Portia tries, and like Portia's came in like, oh, Candace yells all the time. You're all yelling right now. What the fuck? Is literally. This? Yeah. And literally at this point, Pepsi is at the table literally praying. Like he is like, <laughs> like full on like, get me out of this moment. Um, and he's like, oh, you're a baby. Portia's like, oh, you're a baby. We need Pedialyte. You need a Pedialyte for PJ? Because PJ's Portia's daughter. Yeah. Ugh, whatever. Um. <laughs> And then Pepsi's like, okay, guys, I found a, I got a fun new thing for you to do. We're going to ride in this tuk-tuk, which is like their, like, uh, things or whatever. And they're like, yay, we're going to the tuk-tuk. They literally drive, not hyperbole, they show it on the screen for two minutes. And they're like, well, we're going back to the villa. (laughs) Like, it was, it literally felt like Pepsi, like, just found three tuk-tuks and was just like, let's get them in so we can get them out of this fight and get them back to the villa because they're going to get arrested. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Look, I don't want them walking down the street. I, I, I need to drive them back to the vans. Yeah. Uh, we, Pepsi's showing them pictures of his kid in the, in the Sprinter van, and we found out he has a kid and four wives. <laughs> so he's... he's been... I don't think that they're all current wives. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> he has had four wives. He has had four wives. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Mar- Marisol is, is in the uh, sprinter with Giselle, and she's like, Giselle went full Perry Mason. At the- <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, so, Perry Mason was successful. Yeah, and then Heather is like going off on Giselle or going off about Giselle in the sprinter van, and is like, I was I was gonna uh, Teresa Judice her ass and throw that soup on her or whatever, and like I'm sick of you know her shit or whatever. And Whitney is like. He's like, you should have brought this out at the table. And Whitney's like, this just shows that Heather is two-faced. And she says one... Literally. Typically, I agree that Heather is two-faced, but, like, everyone at that table was yelling, you want a sixth person to yell? Like... I'm not saying that, but I agree with what Whitney is saying. Sure. Because she is saying, you bring one thing in private, you bring something else in public. So, like, if you could have one personality, that'd be great. Sure. Um, we get back to the villa. So, and then, so Whitney, I guess, has to go to the bathroom immediately. And it's like, I got to rush in or whatever. Cause I have to go to the bathroom. And Giselle immediately is like, well, she's moving the bottle. Ugh. So over it. Um, and Marisol is like, I found it wa- weird that Whitney was laughing when Heather was being questioned. Like if that was my friend, like that would be an issue. And Marisol is telling them they'll all get ready for later tonight. Cause they're having a cocky making party. And, and all that. We don't get it this episode. We'll get it, I'm assuming, next episode. Um, we get in a bonus scene where Candace calls Chris. And, and it's like, what, like probably midnight in Potomac? <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> no, K- it's got to be later than that because he's usually, like, he's running a restaurant. He's probably not home till like, 3 o'clock that, in the morning. That's a good point. And, like, Candace, like, w- is, like, telling him all about the Giselle stuff and what happened. And he's literally like, did you really just wake me up because Giselle can't find tequila? <laughs> <laughs> After everything he has dealt with from that woman this season or this past season on Potomac, I I get it. He's I lo- he doesn't want to hear that woman's name. He's like, yes, babe, Giselle's ridiculous. We know this. <laughs> like, um, Candace then goes to check on Leah. And as she's doing, like, t- telling Leah about, like, what happened and, and Candace bringing up the Instagram picture, Giselle is, like, like getting a producer, like, so you're going to check on our room now, right? Like, as if this is, as like, someone, I forgot who it was. It's, like, it's, it's, as if, like, someone stole her child. 
Just like, yeah, just uh, the um, producer is literally looking at her like you're crazy. I'm not checking her room. Yeah, and like it's like we'll we'll maybe get Pepsi to do it or whatever. And it's like also someone made a good tweet which was just like I feel bad for the staff because it's like you know the staff's gonna get blamed for that if it's actually missing or something. Literally, Pepsi was like hiding behind the bar crying. Yeah, it was like oh my god, like how like. Poor, poor Pepsi, like, for, for this stupid storyline that Giselle's doing. Like, yeah. Um, Leah is talking, uh, and they're talking about the whole Portia stuff uh, and Portia, what Portia said about the photo. And Leah's like, you can't play stupid and smart at the same time, which I, I agree with. I, I, I temporarily live by that model, model. And Whitney's like, you know, it's not even about the bottle anymore. It's just about Giselle proving Candace wrong at this point. Literally that. Literally. And then Giselle comes into Leah's room to like clear up because like, she's like, Oh, I, you know, Candace is not telling the full story, whatever to say the Leah thing. And, and then Candace is like, so you, you want Candace, who is going to go through your room? And Candace is like, I'll go through my room. And he's like, Nope, you're not doing that. Like it was like so stupid. And Candace in her confessional, like are Jamal Bryant's alimony checks not clearing fast enough? Like, let me Venmo you a hundred dollars right now. Yeah, it's literally like girl, like it's ridiculous. Um, and Leah's like, why wouldn't you check Marisol's? Marisol's makes the most sense. She's drinking all the fucking time. <laughs> and like you mentioned, Pepsi's like on the floor crying, and even in his confessional, like just like fucking like tearing up, like like goddamn you, Giselle. And Candace is like, you're and. Candace and Giselle are yelling across the, the room or whatever and just, like, yelling at each other. Candace says she's acting like a Karen, which, like... Which I thought it was funny because they literally have Karen on their show. Yeah. <laughs> who is, like, the least Karen of people named Karen I've ever met. Yeah. Or not met, but, you know... Seen. No, we know these people. <laughs> we know them. They're our friends. Yeah, and then that's how the episode ends. Um Good, good episode if you like dramatics. I, damn you, Giselle, for making Pepsi cry. I'm so mad. Pepsi so does not mad. deserve this. Um, but other than that, you know, really good episode of the show. All right, so tops and bottoms, tops and bottoms. We got Jersey, we got Vanderpump, we got Ultimate Girls Trip. What you thinking? So much. Um, my top, I'm gonna give to Candace. I think Candace had really like had line after quotable line after quotable line of just dragging yeah. Giselle in particular that I thought was so like the 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 Jamal Bryant line. The yeah. the I love whenever she talks about her neck. Like <laughs> Candace was really good, and I and I'm loving Candace more and more. Like it was sort of a continuation of like. And particularly when Giselle was being so ridiculous, like mm-hmm. you needed Candace to sort of call her out on her bullshit. Um, so that, that helped, that helped, you know, assuage things, uh, so to speak. Um, my bottom is going to Schwartz. I'm not going to get too much into it. Fuck I, that guy. Yeah. I, Schwartz is, this is his worst season by far. Like, oh yeah. Like, I think there is certain things where it's not just like, I think in past seasons I was like, okay, I'm annoyed with him here, but I can attribute it to his personality or I can attribute it to certain things. Mm-hmm. And I hear what you've been saying. And I, and I agree with you in parts. I think there's certain like really nasty things in particular of how he's treated Katie that I just find like it's, and it's also one thing when you're in the dynamic of a marriage where that's difficult and you have marital issues, but now that you're still, that you're split up from this person and you're still treating them in this way, 
while trying to cast this aspersion that Katie's the mean one and Katie's the bully, you're coming, you're coming off as a bully to her at the end of the day. And I, I, I just am not a fan of it by, by any means. And, that, and it's frustrated me so much uh, <laughs> this last couple of days. Um, so what about you? What are your tops and bottoms? So my top is going to be Katie. Um, so number one, she needs people on her side because she has been doing nothing but standing up for herself for the last 10 years. And I suspect the two years before that as well. And she never has anybody that goes to bat for her. She never has anybody that stands up for her. And I, you know what? Fuck it. I will. I will stand for Katie. Because I think I tweeted, like, if you're not Team Katie after this season, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, literally. Because I I just, when she finally put her foot down at that dinner and got up and left, like, just didn't say anything, just got up and left. And I just, the power that that, the, the strength that that took, and then to then just laugh in Raquel's face immediately after that with the, no, you're not going to go to this place. You're not going to go to that place. No, fuck you. I'm here on a vacation with my friend, Christina, and we're going to go wherever the damn hell we please. And that was not good use of curse words, but I don't (laughs) fucking care at the moment. Um, We're going to go wherever we fucking want to go. And your little wedding party that you're a part of is not going to assuage that. We're going to go to the pool we want to go to. We're going to go to the restaurant we want to go to. And fuck everybody else here that tries to tell us otherwise. She stood in her power in this episode. And um, I hope to see more of that. Um, I hope to see her give Schwartz an epic smackdown on this reunion. Um, And I can't wait till her and Ariana open this amazing shop that eclipses both TomTom and uh, Schwartz and Sandy's. Done. That's what I want from her, and I see the beginning of it here. So, so that's why she's my top this week. Um, my bottom for this episode is Giselle fucking Brian. So ridiculous. It's like it's so manufactured, and like I just she's her and Portia both are. They know what they're doing. They know what picture they're painting to their audience. They know what narrative they're putting out there in the world. And they know that the end result of it will be more people attacking Candace online. Yeah, That is her end goal. That has always been her end goal. And to act like it's nothing more than just, oh, it's just, I want to know where my tequila is. I just want to know it's the only thing I fuck off. You know what you're doing. You know you're weaponizing your adjacentness to whiteness to get people to attack Candace, who is a darker skin tone than you are. Fuck off. Yeah. You know what you're doing. You did it all season on Potomac. You did it last season on Potomac. You did it not necessarily the season before that, but you've been doing it. Pretty repeatedly, okay? This is your MO. You you and Robin and to a lesser extent, um, Ashley have been forming this posse and doing this shit 
weaponizing your followers online. And this is just more of it. And I'm fucking sick of you gaslighting um, Candace constantly trying to make her th- seem like she's crazy for, for calling you out. Yeah. And like you went after, you only are picking up Portia because she's willing to, to go along. You're only going after Leah because she's adjacent to uh, Candace. Candace is your target. She's been your target for a while. So just own it. Own the fact that you're a fucking bitch. Yeah. Period. I, I am sick of it. I'm sick of, like, and then all of your followers will sit online and go, well, she was antagonizing her. She was, she was aggravating the whole situation. Where? Giselle, Giselle is the one that starts all of these conflicts. Always. Yeah. It's always Giselle. When has Candace started anything? Candace doesn't start shit, but she will fucking finish it. And I can't wait until she finishes it for you. I'm done. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.